0: So I'm seeing people all over Twitter say, "Oh my god, update Chrome right away." Hmm. I can't for the life of me figure out how to update Chrome. <laughs> so like, um, about Google Chrome? About. Yeah, that's always where it is. Uh, oh, updating.
1: Well, uh, mine's updated already. Uh, I'm on the beta channel though. Why? What what's going yeah, on what's on the regular the, channel?
2: What's the issue?
0: I I haven't bothered to look yet. I just everyone's saying update now.
1: Maybe they're just finally getting the new ugly tabs. <laughs> I don't know. That we that I've had for like three
2: months now what happens if your chrome (laughs) colon slash slash help is spinning that seems not
1: good you go to the task manager window that chrome has
2: oh god i don't you know i
0: i just don't know how people tolerate chrome it's so i like chrome oh god how i how can you be such like a a mac person seriously like you're you're, you're it's not i'm not gonna say it's mac like you won't even own an xbox because Microsoft makes it. <laughs> yeah, well, Microsoft didn't,
2: doesn't make Chrome. <laughs> oh, like no, God. seriously, Marco, I could not agree with you more. I am right there with you, dude. It,
0: like you might as well be using Windows. Like it, it, Chrome is so bad. It, uh, it's
1: not Mac like, but it's a good. It is a good web browser. It is not a Mac like web browser, but it is a good web browser. <sighs> and its dev tools are still better than Safari
0: That yeah, that you're probably right, right about. I, I, don't, I don't. I can't really say, but like, it, it, if you're not a web developer. I don't understand why you would use Chrome for anything besides, I I mean, I I guess I use it for like Google docs. (laughs) That's about it. It's like, ugh, it's just, I don't like it. It's, it's so wrong. Everything it does on the Mac is just so wrong. Like the, it just behaves horribly. Nothing is where it should be. not to mention like all the, you know, battery, battery life issues on laptops and stuff like it's just bad yeah I wouldn't use it on a laptop if I
2: oh it is so rough because I mean
1: I do use it on a laptop all day,
0: but my laptop is plugged in all day,
1: but battery life forget it it's it's brutal um, but no, it loads all my web pages and sometimes Safari doesn't it's like the it's like the unreliable keyboard I just need you to always load web pages <laughs> and sometimes Safari decides that it is not going to do that anymore and it makes me angry i and I run both web browsers all day long I'm always running both I'm never just running one so it's not like I'm picking favorites
2: but I like Chrome i could not agree with you more marco like chrome is so i I am not one of those people that's super angry about things being not mac like like slack is a show and chrome is probably second place for that it just chrome chrome is worse than slack
0: yeah i agree actually it is less mac like than slack well and and because like chrome you have alternatives like slack it's like if you have to run slack you probably have to run it because of because of a decision other people have made that you need to interact with. So it's fine. Like, you know, you run it, you deal with it, it's no big deal. Whereas with Chrome, like, that's less defensible. Like, you can just run Safari. And chances are everything you need to do probably works in Safari. So, like, why would you not run Safari? Why why are you running Chrome? Oh God, it's so bad. Oh, I gave you a reason because of those web browsers. So
1: looking at this tweet that just in one of our channels, also seriously update your Chrome installs. It sounds like a security thing. There's some kind of security flaw in existing Chrome.
0: Yeah, yeah that's, that's why I, I tried to figure out how to update Chrome for a good like two or three minutes before giving up and asking you guys <laughs> about Box. Of course, why is this in the? Every other, up, every other, so I, I, so I first I checked the Chrome menu for like a check for updates thing. Then I went over to the help menu because sometimes things put it in the help menu. Then I went to preferences, which of course is not a real preference window. It's just this crazy URL that opens up the preferences in the browser. And I'm scrolling through all these things that make no sense. Like, and, and then it's like, well, it's not here. I click on advanced and it's nowhere in any of those either. Like, for god's sakes like where the hell do you, hell do you have to do this this app i would never have thought to go to the about box
2: i would have done the exact same steps
0: uh you just gotta know that Wh- whoever goes to the
1: about box of anything so uh, chrome chrome is so aggressive about updates though like it, it, there should be an icon in your toolbar that's like a colored arrow whether it's green or or yellow if you've been waiting a while like chrome totally wants to update itself and will update itself whether you ask it to or not um if you need to do it in a hurry uh either quit and relaunch which i think will also do it or the about thing Well, but you can't even quit it anymore you got to like hold down the quit button <laughs> the about they don't even have an about window either by the way just in case you think they're actually going to
0: pop up a dial no they're of course not, not. <laughs> like it's like it's it's like everything about chrome is just a giant middle finger to the mac but i like the mac so i it's like it's like a giant middle finger to me
2: <laughs> i hear you i i, I really do All right, let's start with some follow up. A lot of the internet wanted to write in and tell us, in generally very gentle ways, that we are all idiots and there is a fix for the springboard rearrangement woes that John was talking about last episode. So, if you didn't hear last episode or would like a brief recap, John was lamenting in the way that only John can, and I mean that in the best possible way, that it is nigh impossible to rearrange things using springboard you know using the, the home screen on, on apple devices these days it is just an exercise in frustration from top to bottom and i was quietly and silently cheering along with john as he made this entire rant because i could not have agreed more however i forgot and i bet john also knew this and also forgot that there is a pro level maneuver to fix this problem john can you tell us about this
1: I did not forget uh, <laughs> but the suggestion that, that many people think is a, a, a better way. Some people said easier. Some people said less error-prone. Some people, you know, whatever. But there is another way to rearrange things, uh, which is to use two hands. And uh, you may be asking yourself if you think like me. Uh, adding a second hand to the surface <laughs> of the screen does not make this operation any simpler. But their theory is, okay. it's more complicated, but it's less error prone because, yes, you have to put two hands on the surface of your thing or at least be very dexterous with your one hand and have one finger holding the icon and another finger swiping across or whatever. Um, But the advantage you get is that you don't have to hit the edge of the screen, which is true. But now, like, you're still hovering over you're still the the icon or icons you can do multiple that you're holding you're still hovering over the screens as you swipe past them and unlike the edge thing you're not guaranteed that you will advance to the next screen at the fastest possible rate because you have to swipe a second time so that gives you even more time to perturb the icons on the screens that you're passing through um, and i think a multi-handed multi-finger gesture actually is more difficult and more likely to screw you up especially if you foolishly grab multiple icons because then when you accidentally drop those somewhere it's, it's all over so i don't think this actually thinks makes things any easier yes it is an alternate way you can do it it works a little bit better on the ipad where you have a chance of perhaps it's sitting on a table or you have more space to put two hands or whatever but it doesn't change the fundamental problem which is that there's no undo and there it's very easy to accidentally mess up things you didn't want to mess up and then even when you get to where you want to go, there is a very small, ill-defined safe area where you can actually hover where it won't cause something you don't want to happen
0: to happen. To me, like the multi-finger drag-and-drop thing is, has the similar kind of value proposition and also downsides in practice as the rest of the iOS drag-and-drop system that was introduced in, what was it, iOS 11? it. Adds a bunch of delays to things that used to not have delays, like tapping to get a menu in Safari or things like that. Or, you know, it accidentally starts a drag when you might not want to start a drag. See also Force Touch, which has similar problems. Um, but it brought the great advance of being able to. Hold down something with one finger and use a set. You don't have to use a second hand, but you can use a second finger to like scroll a view or to navigate the interface such that you can drop the thing with the first finger somewhere else in the interface. And it's great that they added that to Springboard, but it has the same problem that that has everywhere, which is that not only is it a big delay to get into that mode and it's very error prone to enter the mode or to not enter it, depending on what you want to do. But once you're in the mode, it's also very error-prone to move around with the second finger, because a lot of times, what you do with the second finger, when you think you're going to swipe or scroll, you actually end up picking up a second item. And if that's what you want it to do, great, but the the problem with this whole system is that it's kind of unreliable, and as John said, very error-prone. So in practice, you know, I've known about the second finger trick uh, since iOS 11 or whatever it was was released, and I've been using it, but... I would say I fail, and, and it does something I don't want it to do, probably at least half the time that I'm actually trying to use it. And I, I have the honestly, I have the exact same error rate with drag and drop on the iPad as well, and the exact same error rate with reordering uh, things in Overcast. Like I used, I I had my own drag handles before, um, and then when this system came in. Not only did I want to implement the new system, but it also broke my hack that gave me drag handles before, so I figured I was kind of forced to implement the new system. And it's just like the rest of drag and drop on iOS. Like I find it very error-prone. And when, it's, when it works, it's great. Like When you can pick up one or two things and then scroll with another finger, and that's great. Uh, but in practice, it's very error-prone and, and does something I don't want it to do a lot of the time.
2: Yeah, you know, I'd completely forgotten about it. And it's funny, this is a tangent, but as I've been using my iPad Pro more and more, I do really, really like it. Um, it, But it's it's apparent to me, even as I've adjusted a lot of my workflows is is overkill for, for what I'm describing, but like my, my process for doing things, it, it occurred to me just in the last month or so when I was trying to like send a link to somebody, but I didn't have messages open or something like that. Or maybe it was an image. I don't remember exactly what I was doing, but I can, oh, wait, 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 I can tap and hold and that'll start a drag operation. And then with my other hand, sound familiar, I can <laughs> swipe up to get the dock and open messages and then flick. Not really flick, but kind of you know, drag the 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 other thing that I picked up over to messages, drop it there, and be good. Which is it's actually really really nice and and fairly intuitive once I thought about what I needed to do. But because I grew up with an act, well, I shouldn't say an actual computer. Oh my god, please don't email me. But because I grew up with <laughs> a traditional, it, oh god, because I because I grew up with a <laughs> traditional computer, it's just very foreign to the way I think and. I'm trying to get better about embracing the, the touch way of life and, and I am getting better about it, but it's, it's definitely a slow journey for me that, that has taken longer than I expected.
1: So getting used to stuff like that, like this, you know, the, part of it is just, uh, like you said, what, what you grew up with and what you, you are accustomed to, but there is another aspect of it. You can actually measure people's performance for, with different operations and, uh, certain, Things are, you know, more friendly to the way people work than others. So, to give an example, with like uh, the the original Mac and using uh, a mouse, uh, this comes up a lot when someone digs up some old computer stuff, uh, maybe in my attic, maybe on eBay. Um, the original <laughs> Mac came with a uh, a guided tour. Uh, it was a floppy disk that was a guided tour, but it also came with an audio cassette that you would play while the floppy disk was in, because you can't fit that much audio on a floppy disk. That would be madness um and one of the first things they taught you on the guided tour was how to use the mouse and they had a little animation and they showed when you move it on the the horizontal surface of your desk the cursor moves to match it and they had a little graphic that was showing that and the voice is explaining it to you because you had to explain to people how to use the mouse but touch is a much more direct interface where it's like well if there's a something looks like a button on the screen and we say hit the button and you just shove your finger you know we all see with our uh toddlers how quickly uh you know you don't really have to be taught that much about that once you realize i can just put my meaty paws on the screen i can do something that's an example of improving an interface before there was a a indirection however slight it might be and however easy it was for people to overcome it but it was still an indirection getting rid of that is better but the same token all these things we just described with rearranging icons and starting drag operations and holding your finger down and using another finger to swipe through that's never going to get more friendly than it is like that is inherently an awkward error prone thing to do uh, and there's no amount of uh, culture or getting used to things that's going to make that a more friendly interface than alternatives that don't require that kind of both mental and physical gymnastics it's just a more difficult things for people to do it's not impossible you can do it you know toddlers can learn how to do it as well like you see a two-year-old doing the same operation but all things being equal compare that to an operation where you get to split the, split the task up into pieces. First set the icon aside, next find the destination, then put the thing in. Uh, It's less error prone. It may actually be mentally, there may be more cognitive load to do the multi-step process because you have to sort of understand what you're going to do. But if you were to test people, you know, for the error rates or whatever, you'd see that it's more error prone to do the thing, especially if you tested a wide swath of humanity. this is a thing that Apple used to do back in the day that they stopped doing, about when Steve Jobs came back, which is, you know, you don't have to just have your intuition and gut about what is better for usability. You can test this. You can use science to determine. <laughs> given, given a wide swath of people of varying ages and abilities whatever thing we're trying to make happen here we want people to be successful we want them to be few errors we want them to feel less frustrated we want them to be able to accomplish a task at a small amount of time we want them to remember how to do that some a task across a long period of time like all you can pick what your goals are and then you can test your interfaces against those goals and find out how miserably you're doing on them and compare multiple approaches um Uh, Bruce Tognazzini, if I'm pronouncing his name right, uh, has an asktog.com or something. He's got a website. You can go through all the old tests they did to figure out, to come up with the Mac interface. How many buttons should a mouse have? How should the menus work? You know, all all that stuff, which it doesn't mean like once you test it once, that's it forever and ever because things get refined over time and we come up with improvements. But you don't just have to guess about these things. Um, But uh, Apple today tends not to do that much of that type of formal research more you know if you read about ken kushenda's book where they're like doing that but in an informal way like amongst uh, other engineers in the hallway hey i tried this and here's how it felt or whatever which is better than nothing like if you read a lot of usability books especially about web usability they'll say like it doesn't take much to get a you know 60 to 70 percent of the value of usability testing you don't need this big complicated usability lab and a big one-way mirror and cameras on people's faces and you know pulse monitors you can just if informal testing with your coworkers is much better than no testing uh and but but i would say you know there's there's still a place for that sort of actual scientific testing to come up with something better because right now the, the reason we have all these weird interfaces for, in in ios is because there's nothing obvious and better. Like, if you want this capability, if you want to be able to do all these things, it's cool that you can do them. It's awkward, uh, but it's not obvious how you would be able to do those same things with less awkwardness and and fewer errors, other than the things I just suggested, which is like, you know, a shelf to put things on or using it. Using I'm going to use case here. Using an interface on a. On a different computer, <laughs> <laughs> on, I don't, on a personal computer, if you could use a mouse and a keyboard and a much larger screen, I could rearrange Springboard, uh, you know, and and some holding areas and stuff, and a trial commit interface. It would be much easier to rearrange Springboard. Even iTunes was better, I think, but even that uh, could be improved upon. So, I look forward to uh, rearranging the Springboard on our uh, Apple glasses in 2035, <laughs> being a much simpler, less error prone experience.
2: Oh, God. All right. Speaking of simple and error-prone, Apple supplier Corning is working on flexible glass for foldable displays. Uh, there's a post on The Verge where this is discussed. Apparently, um, their CEO, no, the I don't know, somewhere from, someone from Corning, the CEO or R&D person, whatever, uh, has said, yeah, 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 yeah. We're, we're working on this foldable glass thing. And they have a very uh, fascinating GIF that they have provided that is at the top of the page that I could watch all day. And there isn't too much to say here, I don't think, other than this is, I guess, a subtle hint that that Apple, who uses Corning and their Gorilla Glass for iPhone displays, you know, Apple could hypothetically use this forthcoming glass that they say is coming in the next couple of years for a foldable display, if they so choose. So that's good news if you're into it.
1: That's definitely an Apple-style thing to do, because like I said, last show, plastic no matter how good that plastic is if you're constantly going to bend it plastic is not known for its ability to be bent back and forth many many times and and not show any signs of wear same thing plastic is not known for its ability to resist scratches like it's it's just generally a softer material than glass or metal or all these other things so there's kind of you know the there are many reasons that apple settled settled on aluminum and glass are basically all of its products they have the properties that make the product's pleasant to use and and stand up to wear and tear plastic less so the original iphone almost had a plastic display uh but they they dodged that bullet at the last minute Uh, the ipod nano did have plastic over its display and that was very bad um so Here's hoping Apple can figure out the uh, bendy glass because that would be a hell of a way to enter the bendables market. Is that a thing? Where the, <laughs> we got wearables and then bendables.
2: I think foldables is what you're looking for, isn't that what uh, Mike and Jason? Bendables.
1: They, it's like it's uh, it's like uh, phones that fold in half, bendy straws. Uh, what else is in that market? iPhone six pluses. Ooh.
0: Yeah, I guess uh, folding chairs. <laughs> yeah, I I would love to see if if bendable glass can actually be a thing. I mean. I am no expert in materials. That sounds impossible to me. Transparent aluminum. But yeah, if I mean... it be worth something to you. If it, if it can be done, uh, that sounds great. Because, you know, I, I think it is a critical problem. You know, if, if folding phones are going to take off, we are going to have to get over this issue of... Right now, all we know how to make the front of the screens out of is plastic, and plastic kind of sucks as screen material. Like you know, it works; it's fine. But if we can have glass, we'd rather have glass, and and it, it, it makes an, it makes a pretty big difference in niceness uh, if we can have glass. So that would be great. Uh, but I, I mean, I'll believe it when I see it. I guess. Computer, computer.
2: Well, is that Star Trek Four. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Marco hasn't seen it. That that Star Trek should not have worked and now i'm going to get everyone emailing me about how it didn't work but i loved that one i thought it was hilarious everybody loved that one really oh i assumed it was just me it's universally beloved but it shouldn't be it's terrible it's a good movie that makes people happy. It is a good movie that makes people happy. But can you just concede that if you look at the description of, oh, all these future people are going to come back in time to get some whales? Like, come That's on. It's
1: Fish Out of Water. It's, it's a be- beloved uh, beloved characters uh, coming back to Earth. Uh, and uh, we get to see the, the, the crew that we know and love uh, being in a Fish Out of Water type scenario. And it's fun.
2: I, again, I I agree with you. It's just if you, if you were to look at it only on paper, I maintain that it should not have worked, even though it did.
1: Bats aren't bugs and whales aren't fish.
2: <laughs> anyway, all right, moving on. Uh, we have more riveting USB naming-related news. And this actually is kind of cool. Uh, apparently, USB 4 has been kind of announced in a way, and that is that Thunderbolt 3 is... Not and patent encumbered isn't what I'm looking for, is it? It is um, the, the specification has been made royalty free. There you go. And Intel has given the spec to the USB implementers forum, which are the people that decide how USB works. And so Thunderbolt 3 will eventually be called USB 4. And that's actually really cool because that theoretically paves the way for what we know as Thunderbolt today to be more universal and not require maybe a uh, Intel CPU. Hint, hint, Apple, hint, hint.
1: Yeah, this is a oh, this is a smorgasbord of uh, USB Thunderbolt and, and naming stuff. So first, the <laughs> sort of the the, the royalty free nature we've covered that before. That's been a while coming. I guess this is the, the one of the most prominent fruits of that labor. Second is that Intel is building Thunderbolt and uh, the new USB into its CPUs. So that will make both uh, much easier to implement. You don't have to have a separate chip for it. You just If you get an Intel CPU, it's got it built in. It being open, anybody else could do the same thing. Hint-Hint, Apple could make ARM CPUs and build in Thunderbolt. And then you have the uh, USB 4 spec being a superset of Thunderbolt 3 and all the USB 3.2 stuff, which makes sense. USB 4 is not here yet. USB 3.2 is like this year. USB 4 is like out next year somewhere. And then finally... Uh, Just to add a little bit more uh, ridiculous naming, uh, all the other versions of USB were like USB space 2.0, USB space 1.1. But USB 4 removes the space between the B and the number. So it's USB 4 because it has to be different.
0: Everything they do is like – it's so close to good and then they do (laughs) something to make it either bad or confusing or both – They're going to run out of uh, of variations. What do they do
1: for five? Oh, Roman numerals. (laughs) They haven't done Roman numerals yet. So USB-V, can't wait. There you go.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to keep saying it's pronounced five. Oh, God. I'm not looking forward to that. No, this is very cool, though. I I am really enthusiastic about Apple being able to use uh, Thunderbolt 3 slash USB 4 on their forthcoming ARM, ARM computers. Am I right?
1: Yeah, and Thunderbolt 4, I think we talked about that before, but Thunderbolt 4 is also a thing. So I don't know if that has to be in a separate chip, but seeing Thunderbolt built into CPUs and subsumed into USB means that it is much more likely to be a part of everyone's future than it was before.
2: Moving on, we had talked uh, last episode, I think it was an Ask ATP about, hey, how do I know what my 32-bit apps are on my iPad? So if I up- upgrade this or, or you know update the software, what am I going to lose? And we weren't entirely sure how to do this, but uh, unsurprisingly, there is a post at iMore that describes exactly what to do, which apparently is settings general about applications. And then in there, it'll show you an app compatibility screen that will tell you which apps are no longer going to be compatible in the future
1: everything's in settings somewhere
2: <laughs> and that's why they have search but the search doesn't work the search never works yeah, exactly i have I, I think i
0: have i've had the search work i think one time out of the probably at least five or six times i have tried to use it to find something it, it, i don't know how they possibly implement, implemented the search and settings to make it so bad at finding things that like i'm typing the exact name of does it work for anybody it works okay for me
1: it's kind of like the search it reminds me of the search in system preferences on the mac remember when they added that and they were that actually works right but it's hand it's hand tuned like they added like i think it attached metadata like you could type wallpaper which is not a word that apple uses to describe the desktop background but it would it would find that preference pane because they put a bunch of synonyms in but in in iOS like they either it's not hand curated like that or they didn't do a very good job of attaching metadata because you'll type a word that is a reasonable synonym for what you're looking for and it won't find it and as you pointed out sometimes you'll type in a word that you think is an exact match and it still won't find it so i'm not sure what Data it is searching across, but it's certainly not searching. It's certainly not doing a full text search of all text that appears on the screen in, in uh, settings screens.
0: No, like you can type literally a word that is in the title, and the and the thing you're looking for will not show up. Like it, it isn't even like a failure of synonym search or a failure of a spell check or anything like that. Like it, it's literally not indexing the words that show up on screen.
1: I feel like it doesn't go very deep. Like I remember I was looking for something that was like three or four screens deep, and it it could never find it. And maybe it just does like the first two layers. Or something i don't know anyway it, once you have a search in your ui it's probably a sign that something is amiss I don't, i'm not i'm still not entirely convinced that the idea that your settings are in a settings application rather than within the apps themselves is long term the way to go because settings just gets tremendous and it's not like we haven't figured out ways to put uh screens for configuring your applications within your application and most apps do it anyway so it's, it's weird
2: indeed Cyrilla writes that Microsoft already has Xbox Game Pass, which is a "quote unquote" Netflix for games service with millions of subscribers. I had no idea this existed, but I also have not owned an Xbox since the original Xbox, way back. Yeah,
1: when. what I was getting out on the last show, which was not very well communicated, was the uh, like how different the the phone game market is than console games like uh playstation has something similar where you subscribe to playstation plus and you get like a bunch of free games each month it's not the same thing as like a, a subscription service but it is a i mean you, it is a subscription service but you don't get access to a ton of games you get like one or two handpick free games a month or whatever um but both of those things like uh, they both xbox and playstation have a large game library of 60 dollar games of you know 15 to 60 dollar games that people want to play each of which is you know, significant and uh, worthwhile. Kind of like Netflix with with a whole bunch of movies, whereas Apple has a collection of literally hundreds of thousands of uh, mostly very bad games uh, that most people don't want to play and a small collection of good games that are already either selling well or getting people to download for free and then selling them in-game stuff. And I'm not sure your typical iOS gamer feels like they would derive enough value from any reasonable subscription uh, because most people i see playing games on on their phones don't don't go through enough games to make the subscription work at it like if this because ios games are so cheap or free if the subscription was five dollars a month they'd be like why don't i just spend that five dollars on games like i i, I spend one dollar and fifty cents on games a month and you want me to subscribe i guess i would have access to way more games but history has shown that i only play Three free games and one 99 cent game and one, you know, 50 cent in app purchase per month on average. So, like, it's hard harder to come out ahead uh, versus $60 Xbox games, where if I can get access to a huge library of $60 Xbox games, it's easy to see how that math workout out if you have enough time to play games. I don't know. It remains to be seen. There could be some untapped market for people who want access to 100,000 games, of which they're going to play two, but we'll see.
0: And this, to me, like, this is just one more argument for. Why it makes way more sense to have this as as part of a bundle than to try to sell it as a standalone service? Uh, Because it, like, you know, I I see why it makes sense on game consoles. Even then, it isn't for everybody. But like, I I see why it makes sense for some people on game consoles. But yeah, like everything you said was correct about like the iOS market. It's just so different for games that I don't see people wanting to pay separately for this. But if it was part of a bundle, they would they would think aspirationally like. That's great. I would use that. You know, even if they don't end up actually using it for much, like it it would add to the perceived value of the bundle and it would help people justify purchasing the bundle if it includes games and stuff, you know, and just all sorts of things that they may or may not actually use in practice. Whereas if you try to sell it separately, there there's gonna be a lot more like scrutiny on that purchase. And after even after even after they subscribe, for the people who do, if they aren't really playing the games they'll be way more likely to cancel that pretty soon. Whereas if it's part of a bundle, they they aren't going to like be scrutinizing every single part of that bundle every month to say, am I still really using this or not? Um, so again, it's it, ever more reasons why I think and hope this is all going to be one big bundle rather than individual services.
1: And interestingly, I think they can like basically give away access to tons of games without being afraid that they're going to end up paying out a huge amount of that subscription fee to the developers because most games are free and i can't imagine in-app purchases being part of the subscription because that's the way they make all their money yeah sure you can get the you can get the games for free but the games are probably free already anyway maybe it'll open up a a slightly larger market for 99 cents games than exists now Uh, but Yeah, once you know all, all the popular games are free, and then they get in there and you buy whatever thing they're making you buy in the game, and that Apple can't allow that to be part of your five dollars subscription because everyone, everyone would subscribe just so they could, you know, play Candy Crush without whatever limitations they put in your way. You know, (laughs) just oh, unlimited in app purchase, go, 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 go. Like it it breaks the whole model that they've, you know, corner they painted themselves into. It's not a thermal corner. What's what's a word other than thermal? The casino corner. I don't know. Like it's it, it's so uh, the the game the game market on iOS is so strangely shaped from a historical perspective, and it, you know it's fine that it works for Apple and people enjoy it, but I I'm not sure how like you could throw a subscription into there, and it's almost like you know like Margaret was getting at like it seems valuable from the outside, but in reality it's pointless because no money really
0: changes hands, and it just makes you feel better about a bill you're already going to pay anyway. We are sponsored this week by Hover. Visit hover.com slash ATP to learn more and get 10% off your first purchase. Get a domain name for whatever you're passionate about at Hover. Building your online brand is so important. You can show the world who you are and what you're passionate about without tying it to a particular company's publishing platform or whatever social network is popular this year because that stuff changes quickly. And you can do this by having your own domain name. Nowadays, it feels like everyone has domain names, so it's important that yours stands out. Hover lets you register over 400 different domain extensions. They have all that to choose from to help you brand yourself online. And there's one that's really great lately. It is called .me. You can get whatever it is you want .me. This is a unique extension to use for your portfolio to showcase who you are and what you do. So if you have a portfolio website ready to launch, get the .me extension or lots of Other domain extensions they have available at Hover. Hover is a great registrar for domains. I use them myself all the time. They have great practices that really respect you, and they have really good deals too. So there's no tricks. There's no shady upsells, no scammy add-ons. The domains come with free Whois privacy because that's just the right thing to do. They have super easy setup and a wonderful control panel. It makes things very, very easy to do, including a feature called Hover Connect. With a few simple clicks, you can set up very popular web hosts. And their customer support is top-notch if you ever need it. Although, honestly, it's so easy to use, I don't think you will need it. But it's incredible customer support if you ever do. So when you're ready to buy your next domain name, and if you don't have one yet, you really should... Go to Hover.com slash ATP. You can learn more there and you can get 10% off your first purchase. Hover, get a domain name for whatever you're passionate about.
2: I don't really know what this next topic is about. So what we're going to talk about is Apple and NVIDIA. And I know enough to know that NVIDIA and Apple used to be chummy and now they're not. And because I am not someone who really cares about 3D cards and, and you know, in th- fancy graphics cards and things of that nature, I've never really spent the time to, like, really dive in and understand the history here. But luckily, I have a John Syracusa that can tell me all about it. So, John, wh- what's going on here?
1: As we approach Mac Pro Day, which could be oh, today. could be the day you're listening <laughs> to this. <it. Anyway>, um, <laughs> Probably not. It's, but it could it's time be. To re, it's time to revisit this uh especially in light of semi-recent developments, So uh, we talked about NVIDIA and Apple in the past, uh, and and particularly uh, NVIDIA's place in the the 3D market. Uh, They have had the best, fastest cards for gaming for a long time. Uh, The lead used to swap between NVIDIA and ATI, AMD, and whoever else every once in a while, but we've been in a long phase where NVIDIA is in the lead. They also uh, have the most mind share and market share in AI applications with their uh, CUDA language. And for a long time, Apple has not been including NVIDIA GPUs in any of its products. That's not that big of a deal if if the Apple doesn't make any kind of computers that are focused on gaming or uh, really GPU-intensive AI, Pro 3D, machine learning, yada, yada, yada stuff. But in theory, the Mac Pro... Could be targeted at some of those markets. And so it's an open question. Hey, this Mac Pro, Apple's gonna learn from all its past mistakes. Uh, is Nvidia going to be an option on the new Mac Pro, either from Apple or uh, you know, separately? Like if you could buy one, but then you could upgrade the card if the thing is indeed upgradable. And on that front, you're like, well, if they make it any kind of computer with replaceable cards. Uh, Apple doesn't need to participate in that. They can ship it with an an ATI card, AMD card. I keep calling it ATI, whatever. Same company now. They can ship it with with, uh, an ATI card, but if if it gets older, if you don't like it, you can buy an NVIDIA card and swap it in, and you'll be fine. The wrinkle there is you need drivers for it, and NVIDIA, in recent months and years, has been very willing to write drivers for macOS, uh, but they've hit a snag. And the snag is that in the latest version of macOS, I forget when they did this, they've been locking down kernel extensions for a long time in macOS. And the current iteration, basically, and this is a quote from NVIDIA and one of their support forums, Apple fully controls drivers for macOS. Unfortunately, NVIDIA currently cannot release a driver unless it is approved by Apple. That's not strictly true. You could tell people to boot with a you know NVRAM ARG that disables the system protection and loads unsigned kernel extensions, blah, blah, blah. I think they could get around it in that way, but that's not something people want to do, and it's not really feasible for a consumer product. Uh, But what they're they're, uh, complaining about is that you have to be like a licensed developer, and you have to sign your kernel extension, and Apple has to co-sign it, essentially, to say, yep, we're okay with this kernel extension shipping. And for whatever reason, political, technical, bureaucratic, apparently, Nvidia can't get drivers for its latest GPUs to, to go through the process that's required to get them to load on mojave max and so this is upsetting for people to say like i can't even i can't even just buy i can't do it on a hackintosh i can't take my old mac pro and put in one of the new cards because there are no drivers for it and I, you know the mac pro is a chance for apple to fix all of its mistakes and to make a great new computer it's It's not the end of the world if they continue to have this vendetta uh, against NVIDIA and say we are just never going to deal with them. But it is kind of a problem for Apple that NVIDIA is the leader in so many different markets and continues to have the best cards, quote unquote, best cards for many different purposes. And Apple apparently not only refuses to ship things in there, but refuses to even let NVIDIA do all the work itself and ship things that can work with Macs. I hope that's not true. I hope something else is going on. And maybe behind yeah. the scenes they're working with NVIDIA, and these things will come out with NVIDIA cards, and it'll be great. Um, another possibility is that oh, ATI takes the lead again. They just released a new card. I think they, they were the first to market with a seven nanometer GPU. Um, they're you know the new architecture, a new process. Uh, it's impressive, but they did not take the lead. Like this new card they came out with, it's on a smaller process than NVIDIA is currently shipping at, just barely matched an existing year old NVIDIA card. So ATI has not regained the performance lead. I think this is actually a little bit of a problem. Obviously some of the stuff NVIDIA does competes with Apple and its metal initiatives. And maybe this is all moot if Apple starts making its own GPU. So who the hell cares about NVIDIA and, and ATI? But in the world we live in today, a Mac Pro produced by a company that refuses to have anything to do with NVIDIA and also refuses to let NVIDIA ship anything that can work inside a Mac Pro is slightly lesser for it. And I really hope that's not how things turn out. And so this is uh, of the many things that we'll all be watching for on Mac pro day. One of them is, does it ship with an NVIDIA card? And the second one is, can someone put an NVIDIA card into it, a good modern NVIDIA
0: card into it after the fact and have it work? We've, you know, we've heard various rumblings and rumors and things from alleged employees for, for years now, about how there's this massive bad blood between Apple and NVIDIA and lots of reasons for you know the the main reason I heard stemmed from back a few generations ago Nvidia had those uh, GPUs and MacBook Pros that died a lot and caused a lot of expensive repairs for apple and basically Apple blamed Nvidia Nvidia blamed Apple and Apple had to eat the bill for all that and kind of shunned Nvidia from all their products since and so if that is indeed the reason why we haven't seen a lot of Nvidia stuff from Apple uh, in the last few years. Uh, I think that's a dumb reason. Like if there is bad blood between these companies and it is within Apple's power to fix it, I think they should fix it. Because you know, as you said like there's there's pretty strong demand from high-end GPU users for Nvidia support. By continuing to not offer Nvidia GPUs, I think Apple is hurting itself and its customers more than whatever any dispute is worth.
1: Yeah, and the, the interesting part is, like, it's it's not even uh, that Apple has to ship NVIDIA cards. They just need to not prevent it, not prevent their customers <laughs> from using NVIDIA cards. And that's, that's a, like, they've talked about how they're, you know, they're changing their attitude about the Mac Pro and they're going to make the computer the pros want. But part of it is, like, Apple's stance. The idea that Apple would sell you a computer knowing that the people who buy it are going to change it After they get it, whether that's upgrades or even just component swaps like that, that mindset, which Apple used to have that they would sell you a computer with the expectation that whether it's you're going to buy third party RAM, or you're going to buy a hard drive from someone else and slap it in there, or you're going to buy a second GPU and put it in, or you're going to replace the GPU that it comes with with a different one, selling you essentially a platform a modifiable platform obviously it's that's not appropriate for laptops for your iphone for a mac mini even right but the whole point of the mac pro is to be different from those other computers it's different than an iMac pro different how because they sell it to you and it's got card slots or expansion or whatever like i don't know if they're going to go that far maybe they're like oh yeah it's expandable but it's only expandable with apple widgets right (laughs) so you know you you have to buy components from apple and stick them in there and if apple doesn't sell it tough luck right but that's i feel like that's leaving money on the table if they really want to be serious in the pro market part of what makes something pro is the idea that you can buy sort of the chassis and the guts and be able to upgrade components as you go along right that's that's what you're paying all this money for to have an upgradable reliable sturdy core computer that you can augment and build just the machine that you need for whatever you're doing and again, that doesn't require Apple to deal with NVIDIA at all. All it requires is them to allow NVIDIA to do what it apparently wants to do, which is sell cards to Mac users and write the drivers itself. And then it's between those customers and NVIDIA. If the drivers suck, then, you know, like it's like it's like anything else. If you, People used to sell like RAID cards and, you know, the, their own video cards and their own, uh, you know, USB uh, cards for Macs that had an older version of USB like. That's part of what makes, or part of what has historically made a Mac Pro is the ability to do things like that. So, this situation where apparently Nvidia can't even get its drivers to work on Mojave because of signing things, I really hope is some kind of misunderstanding. And on the bad blood front, the only company I can think of that Apple's had w- worse bad blood with, if that makes sense, uh, than Nvidia, is Qualcomm. And Apple's solution to that <laughs> is they're going to make their own freaking modems. Like, you know, short term solution is we're going to have Intel do them, and long term is we're going to make them ourselves. Which fine if Apple the short term if Apple's short term solution is we're going to use AMD ATI GPUs and all our stuff and our long term is I'll make our own GPUs fine then do that but right now we don't know that that's the plan right now we just see Apple about to release a Mac Pro that before it's even released the smart money is that it will not have GPU performance that is competitive with the best GPUs offered in PCs
2: yeah it just seems so obvious to me that. This is, as you guys said, this is a problem that, that, from what we can tell, Apple needs to fix. And being stubborn and petulant doesn't seem to do anyone a service. It doesn't help the users. It doesn't help Apple. It doesn't really help anyone. And I, I feel like my, my perception of Apple is that they can be extraordinarily stubborn and extraordinarily petulant if they so desire. And oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes it's for at least understandable reasons if not good reasons but geez this time i don't i don't think so it's from everything i know which admittedly is little it seems like they just need to put this all to bed and and start fresh so you are you going to put a uh, nvidia card in your forthcoming mac pro john
1: if it's possible to do so uh i can imagine doing that because i i have a I've had multiple GPUs in the Mac that's sitting right next to me right now, and I don't see why I wouldn't upgrade the GPU in my future Mac Pro, assuming that's a thing that is possible.
2: And speaking of that, will you be able to configure that Mac Pro, John?
1: This is on the other end of the spectrum. This is a couple of old articles. I've got to look at the dates on these. Uh,
2: This was January, I believe.
1: Yeah, one from uh, Jason Snell, and then uh, Gruber chimed in about it. But the end of configurable Macs. This is, some of it is, is like looking at the products that Apple has uh, released recently and some of it is just sort of tea leaf reading and thinking about where all this is going. Um, I think Jason was mostly inspired by the, uh, the MacBook Airs. Uh, the fact that there's only one CPU option, which is fairly unheard of for uh, Apple laptops usually. They have like a, a fast CPU and a regular CPU and they charge you a couple hundred bucks to get a small amount of clock speed increase and people wonder whether they should buy it. Sometimes they'll do like an I five or an I seven. And, you know, this historically been a way for Apple to boost its margins because they'll charge you a lot more than it costs them to get the, you know, the faster CPU, more Ram, more storage, so on and so forth. Um, on the iOS line of, uh, computers or computing devices, there's configurability but it is along fewer axes uh mostly just storage uh you can't get an iphone or an ipad with a faster cpu or more ram or if you do get more ram it's part of the more storage model like uh what i forget which one the big ipad pro i think had more ram with the one terabyte of uh flash Mm -hmm. or whatever Mm um and so eliminating things that you can vary, like, oh, you can get a bigger, you can get more storage, but you can't get more memory, you can't get more CPU, or maybe you can't get anything at all. Maybe it just, this is the way it comes. Um, it seems to be the direction Apple is going. And so the, the, the open question is, can we envision a future where all of the Macs, except probably the Mac Pro and maybe the iMac Pro, uh, have far fewer things that you can configure about them maybe color would still be in the mix because that's the thing that everyone wants to pick but that you wouldn't have a choice of cpu across any of the macs again except maybe the the super duper pro models that macbook macbook pro mac mini all those would come with just one cpu It is the one and only cpu that they come with and it is a good one and it's made by apple for example like it's all arm cpus it comes with the we went through this before with the m11 the x12 whatever the letter and number combination that apple <laughs> comes up with for the Macs, and like all of the macbooks come with that all of the macbook pros come with the you know the m37 or whatever it is going to be uh <laughs> and you don't have a choice there's not clock speed differences there's not you can't get different amounts of ram in them or whatever storage i can imagine them still you know they, they need some i feel like they need some uh Dial that they can turn to charge people more money. So I can never imagine them being totally unconfigurable and just having one price, one product, uh, just because they make so much money by charging you more for more storage. But uh, other than storage, I can totally imagine, especially if Apple's making the CPUs on all of them, no longer doing what they have done when other people make the CPUs, which is always getting you know different binned parts and charging you a couple of actually, hundred bucks for a, 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 minor percentage clock speed increase. Uh, and not only can I see them doing that, I don't think it would be that big of a deal. I mean, witness the new MacBook air. It only comes with one CPU. Nobody cares. There wasn't even like a fake controversy article about it. Like the best we got were these articles, which is like, <laughs> like, uh, Hey, look at this. They only offered one CPU on the MacBook air. Basically what Apple's revealing is, uh, Nobody like like it's not a thing that people want. Like past MacBook Airs, you had choices of CPU speed, and all it did was require the customers to d- make another decision in the purchase process, and they'd have to think, hmm, Do I want this? Do I want that? And probably the decision most of them made was, Oh, well, minus ninety nine dollars, minus two hundred dollars, minus whatever, or like you know that, that I have to charge this much more for s- some number decimal point to go up that I don't care about. Forget it, I'm skipping it. Um, and so I feel like this is an entirely safe thing to do for CPU speed. Oh, probably also a safe thing to do for RAM. Again, they've done that before. I think there's some... Is it MacBook? Or some Mac models that I think only come with one amount of RAM. The 12-inch only has one option. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think that's mostly safe on the low end, especially if they give you a reasonable amount. And that just leaves storage, which is where Apple can put all of their money by charging their normal exorbitant prices <laughs> for uh, additional storage. And they will. <laughs> so I'm... I think this is a reasonable prediction. I think we're a prediction. I think we're already most of the way there. And I think it's both a good move and no one will care about it. What do you
0: guys think? Well, first of all, some real time follow up before everyone emails us. Apparently, the 12 inch now does come with configurable RAM up to 16 gigs. Uh, It didn't when it first came out. Uh, The
2: 12 inch? Really? Wow. Yeah,
0: now the high end 12 inch can go to 16.
2: Yeah, that's been the case for at least a year because mine is 16. I'm almost well, sure it
0: has been updated for at least a year. Well,
2: true, actually, that's a very good <laughs> point. What are you
1: gonna do with all that RAM? I don't think the CPU can work its way through all that RAM. No, <laughs> no reasonable <knowledge>. uh-huh. amount. <laughs>
2: <laughs> don't even don't even get me started. I love. I was just thinking to myself just a couple of days back. I still do love my little MacBook adorable. It is a great machine. It is exactly what I wanted in the sense that it is hyper portable more than anything else but holy crap is this thing slow. Getting the <laughs> iPad Pro was the worst mistake I've ever made when it comes to continuing to enjoy my adorable, because it's just painfully slow. It really, really is. Like, when, when I was not comparing it to an iPad wasn't that bad it didn't seem that awful of course it's slower than my my iMac you know that's to be expected but holy cow the iPad Pro is so much quicker than this thing so I'm uh, kind of of the camp of bring on the ARM Macs because clearly that'll solve all our problems but um but to answer your question uh, you know do we do we want configurable Macs you know 10-ish years ago maybe a little more than that I would have been probably offended and I choose that word you know on purpose I would have been maybe offended at not having any choice as to you know CPU options and many, many RAM options and storage options and this and that and the other. but now I mostly don't care and I think Gruber's point at the very very end of his um, link to Jason's post, I think it's it's perfect and I agree with it. Gruber wrote, I want Apple's system architects to do all the work to make the decision for me to find the perfect balance and I agree with that. I think Storage, especially while it's still pretty expensive, I think it makes sense for that to be uh, something that you can tweak. I'm less convinced that RAM is also on that list. I kind of feel like within financial reason, just dump as much RAM as you can into these laptops until, you know, the, you can't anymore because it's just unaffordable. Storage, it makes sense. I'd also love a configurable cellular radio, <clears throat> but uh, mm-hmm. we know that's not going to happen. So, By the way, why not? Large, why is that not going to happen?
0: I, I I know you're right, but just like for the sake of like yeah, yeah, you know yeah. putting Apple's feet to the fire, you're like, why does cellular seem like it's something that everyone is just okay with not happening? We have it in the iPad and it's great. Other PC makers have it in laptops and it works for them. Why can't we have it in Macs? Well, that let me seems tell you, Marco. Like, ugh.
2: It's because when I try to tether to my phone from my Mac, you know, and I don't touch my phone, it works flawlessly every time. Mm, mm-hmm. It never has a problem.
0: Plus, everyone loves draining their phone batteries, right?
2: Mm-hmm, that's right. And plus, there's no mechanism for having like a software-based SIM card, so you would have to add another door to the laptop <laughs> because we've, we, haven't, we haven't figured that out yet either. Yeah.
0: But, but it's, it's okay. Nobody has unlimited data plans. Those don't exist yet and definitely are not widespread. So I understand why they wouldn't <laughs> want Macs to burn all your data.
2: Oh God, I agree with you. Although all kidding aside, where would you put? Where would you put the little plastic piece to, for the cellular uh, antenna? Though, where do they put all the other antennas? Yeah, but I don't know. They, I, think they, really? I think they. I think they
0: hide them in the hinge right now. Like there's, they, they find places to put antennas because laptops are made out of metal and they have a lot of wireless radios in them. So like they, they find places. That, like yeah, this is a solvable problem. All of these are solvable problems and are sh- solved problems in many other devices, including Apple's own devices. Yep. <laughs> like it, this is why. Like I, I'm just. It makes me so angry that like they don't have cellular because like. PC manufacturers have been shipping cellular in laptops for over a decade. Apple has been shipping cellular in iPads since the very first iPad. Well, since 30 days after the very first iPad. But, like, <laughs> it's it blows my mind, like, why? It would be so useful, and as time goes on, we have more and more justifications for it. Like, it, it isn't like the need for cellular on laptops is going down over time. It's actually going up over time as more and more people, first of all, want to avoid like you know using public Wi-Fi for God's sake um, and you know second of all as like hotel Wi-Fi and everything gets all crapped up with uh, with people trying to download the entire internet worth of video all at once and, and so it becomes you know decreasingly usable and like again and you have you know huge increases of unlimited data plans which neutralizes a lot of the arguments that like macOS is not optimized for you know conserving cellular data which by the way is true, but is also a solvable problem. Apple introduced the NSURL session cellular permission flags years ago, and those same flags exist on macOS, and I don't know uh, if Apple knows about these yet, maybe. I don't know, but they could have rewritten all of their apps to use these. (laughs) So it's (laughs) like, it's not... It isn't a big deal, I don't think, to, to add support for this kind of stuff. Um, and, and again, over time, we have unlimited data plans becoming more and more common anyway, uh, and, and cellular carriers making it easier and easier to add additional devices to your account that have cellular modems besides just phones, things like watches, you know, smartwatches, iPads. So it, the, the, the reasons to exclude cellular from Macs keep you know, like getting eroded away over time. And there's all the more reason to like the only reason you can say for not having it as well. You can tell you can tether to your phone and yeah, that's true. uh, But why do they have it in the iPad then? If tethering to your phone is good enough, why have cellular in the iPad? The reason why is because it's way, way better than tethering and there's lots of reasons to do it besides just tethering (laughs) and the same things all apply to laptops. So for God's sake, put cellular in the laptops Anyway, sorry for this massive interruption. Please continue with upgradable max.
2: So uh, I have to ask you and continue your interruption yes. because I agree with you. <laughs> if you had to choose only SD card slot, have I asked this already? SD card slot or cellular radio, what do you choose?
0: Cellular, no question. I would use it more yeah. often and it's harder to add later.
2: Fair enough. I, I, mean, I agree with you. I'm not going to argue, but I, I'm slightly surprised because I know you really, really miss your SD card slot. So
0: I do, but, but I, I would use cellular a lot more. Because like, I have it on my iPad. I use it all the time. And there's lots of places where, net, where like you know, I would take my laptop, but I end up taking the iPad because I know it'll be easier to just quickly get online and check stuff on the iPad because it has built-in cellular. But I would like to use my MacBook for a lot more of those things. Anyway, so, so regarding upgradable Macs, um, I, I, I do have a small rant on this, too. I, I think people are really bad and I, I mean this, I, I know lots of people, I'm friends with people, But people are really, really bad in general at estimating or guessing or deciding which hardware features or upgrades on a computer purchase are going to be useful and important and necessary for them and which ones are worth the money and which ones aren't for them. I can't blame people for this because it's these things are marketed in certain ways that make you think that you need certain things or that certain things will be insufficient for you and you need to upgrade X, Y, or Z to, to in order to to do application you know, A, B, or C. The reality is many, many, many of these upgrades that they sell you uh, are things that you don't actually need or, or that have way less of an impact on actual usage than you might think. And uh, CPUs, I think, are the number one offender here and this doesn't apply to all the product lines like the ones the product lines where you have meaningful differences in say the number of cores between different options like the iMac Pro you can spec the iMac Pro from what's the base model 6 cores all the way up to 18 it, you know there's a massive difference in core count there even then it's not a linear increase in performance because the clock speeds come down as the core count goes up but you still do get a substantial improvement in performance between those low-end options and those high-end options for you know, things like the iMac Pro or the Mac Mini, where you have huge differences in CPUs that are available to you. But in most of the products, and especially the portable products, and this is because of power constraints, um, the difference between the lowest-end CPU offered and the highest-end C- CPU offered, the difference in performance is usually very small way smaller than you would think from like the numbers that are on the page. And it's usually on the range of like 10 to 25% maybe. And so you might be paying like $300 extra to improve your CPU performance by 15%. And it it seems like it'd be more than that, by the numbers that are on screen, but because of things like turbo boost and thermal limits and power limits, it actually ends up being you know less than you think in practice. But people, people tell themselves wonderful marketing lies like, I want to be doing video editing and so I have to get the absolute highest end thing possible and it often has very little relation to what their actual hardware needs are in practice and, and and what the thing that they're saying will actually use in practice and will actually need in practice or the difference it will actually make. And so many people are totally fine for their needs to be solved by the lowest end option in a lineup or at best the mid-range option in a, in a lineup, CPU-wise. RAM-wise, I find... I don't even know how much RAM to buy when I buy computers. Let alone, I can't even imagine what other pe- how other people make this decision. And I think it's based on the same kind of voodoo. It's like, well, I want to edit video, so I guess I'll get the biggest. Or, I'm, not, I'm only browsing the web most of the time, so I'll get the smallest. And the reality is, like, how are people supposed to know whether they need 8 or 16 gigs of RAM? If I can't even tell you whether I need, you know, 8, 16, 32, or 64, like, I have no idea. I I usually get something near the middle because I can, and I figure I'll probably use it. But, like, I don't know what I'm actually using. How can anyone else know? And the reality is I have used high-end Macs, like this wonderful iMac Pro I'm using now that has pretty high specs. And I've used mid-range Macs, like my MacBook Pro, which has, you know, it's a 13-inch MacBook Pro. It has nice, you know, mid-range specs there. And I've used... 12 inch macbook and even and the crappier one like the not like the i think it was the second generation one that i used briefly i felt some difference between them with the things i did but it wasn't like it, it wasn't as big of a difference in most operation as most people think like my my macbook pro which you know by the numbers should be like a quarter of the speed of my imac pro isn't actually that much slower in the things I do, even things like building overcast from scratch and Xcode. It's not that much slower than the iMac pro. When I was testing the Mac mini that I found the same thing. Like you would expect the Mac mini to be a lot slower than the iMac pro, but it wasn't that much slower. It was only, it was like it matched it in CPU performance for the things I was actually doing. And it was just slower in other, in a few other ways. But like, you know, so people are really bad at, at guessing what, what they need and, and, what they should spend their money on for upgrade budgets and everything. And I think the, the two worst areas of that are CPU and RAM. So if Apple is removing CPU customizability from low-end and or thermally constrained products, that's fine because the fact is we don't have that much choice there now. We just have different ways to spend arbitrary amounts of money to get performance gains that are actually way smaller than we think that we probably won't even notice. RAM is a little more noticeable if you get it wrong, but the base model RAM in most of these machines, is what most people buy anyway, and it's fine. You know, we have SSDs now, so so running out of RAM when you have an SSD is a lot less of a performance penalty than it used to be when you had spinning disks. Um, and so, if we're getting less configurability in these two areas, that's fine. I, I that's for most products in the lineup, that's fine. Now, that is not fine for something like an iMac Pro where the potential range of processor options and the potential range of ram amounts is way bigger and you have more outliers like at the high end because these are like pro machines for pro workloads and everything and who knows what pros need so anything that is targeting a high-end use where thermals and cost aren't necessarily constrained very well or very much it makes sense to offer Huge options. Whatever, whatever the chips I can handle, whatever the power I can handle, offer the biggest options you can, and give people a range to pick from. But as you get further down the line, when you're in the smaller products, like especially the small laptops, it totally makes sense to just lock in like one CPU option, one or two amounts of RAM, and then as you know, whatever storage customizability you can afford to put in there, because those are things like the CPU matters almost not at all when you're deciding between like. Like, like the, the twelve inch is offered in three different CPUs. If you actually look at the difference between those three, it's very, very small. Why? Why is it three different CPUs? The answer is Apple wants free money, right? Like that's basically what. It, and <laughs> and so does Intel right? because some of it's them. But like the reality is, like if you if somebody has the the top end, the what is it, the one point four gigahertz processor? <laughs> yeah, the top end, the one point four. If you substituted that out for the one point two, the base model. I bet they wouldn't even notice. I bet almost no one who has the 1.4 would notice if you swapped it out for the 1.2. And that's a $250 premium option. And the fact is, like at these with the small processors, the small laptops, the small thermal envelopes, this stuff doesn't matter. So, fine. With the new Air, we, we have one option. I have heard zero buyers of the new Air and zero potential buyers of it complain that there is only one CPU option. Literally none of I've heard it from none of them, and you know same thing. I I don't know if the RAMs configurable is it, but if it is, like that's that's a lot less important as well. Storage does make a lot of sense to have configurable because storage is something that is hugely variable in people's needs and is extremely expensive. So you can't just put in like the biggest amount of storage and call it a day because that would drive up the price of the machine way too much. So that makes sense, and and also storage is a hard limit. With a CPU, like, you can edit video on a 12-inch MacBook. I do it'll it. just take longer. Yeah, it just it takes does. longer. Yes. <laughs> but like, you can do it, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's it's a soft limit. Like, you'll just be delayed, but it, it still has the same capability. You can still do the task you want to do. It'll just take longer. RAM, similar. That's like, you know, you can still do most things you want to do, whether you have 8 gigs or 16, it'll just take a little bit longer if you don't have the high amount. Storage is a hard wall. Like, you can't just fill your hard disk up bigger if you just do it more slowly. <laughs> like you, you don't get more space by filling it up slowly. Uh, and so that that's one thing where like it matters. It matters a lot more to have that be to give that a high ceiling for people to configure. And because it's so expensive, you can't just give everybody the same high ceiling. So yeah, I, I'm on board with this. There really hasn't been an area that Apple has removed customizability from recently that I have really run into as a real problem i do have problems with other things that apple makes non-customizable like the fact that they use the same keyboard for all of their computers uh that i have a big problem with but that has never been customizable that you know that's apple has as long as i have been an apple customer which was since the uh, powerbook g4 they have used like the same keyboard in all of their laptops (laughs) like that is that is always i never thought that apple would introduce third-party keyboard support for their laptops but then they did
1: it (laughs) <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> like, they used to, that was uh, you know, we used to think that about iOS and they did, they actually had a third party, oh, like a third party keyboard. No, they'll never do that. No. Um, uh, for the RAM question, if you're wondering how much RAM you should have or whatever, like, we all know this as developers, but, you know, customers probably don't, that, uh, iOS started as a RAM constrained environment. It's, it's a very, it was a very different, uh, fitness criteria for applications on ios and so ios devices can get away with a fixed very small amount of ram the mac has a different history and yes even with all those ios apps coming over to the mac that's not going to change anytime soon uh so i would say on the mac if you're wondering whether you should get 8 or 16 uh if you're going to run a web browser plus slack plus one other app get 16 because (laughs) if, if you haven't looked at activity monitor lately just look at how much RAM, like your Chrome tabs and Slack, are taking by themselves. Like it is obscene how much RAM they take. Not the virtual memory. Like measuring memory is very complicated. Is there's no one thing you can look at and add up in numbers and come up with a thing that's saying it. it's very, very complicated. But and yes, SSDs are way faster than spinning disks, so it's much less important than it used to be. But SSDs are still way slower than RAM. Uh, so <laughs> if you ever have a choice between eight and sixteen. And you can stomach Apple's prices, which are ridiculous for that extra eight, get the 16. But you don't need 32 unless you know you need 32. So that's the tricky part with RAM, is that even on the low-end models, if Apple standardized on eight, it would be bad. If Apple standardized on 16 right now, that would be fine. So whatever the inflation-adjusted equivalent of 16 is, like they would have to revisit that number once in a while, but 16 is fine for pretty much everybody, Uh, but eight... It's not. You don't have to be running fancy applications to use up all of eight, and then you're swapping to an SSD. And yes, it's fast, but it is not as fast as RAM. Uh, but I, I mostly agree with everything else that Marco said, and it was making me
0: think. Real time follow up: I'm currently. Apparently, I have 64 gigs of RAM in my iMac Pro. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's why you don't notice any. issues. <laughs> and I have, I'm currently. I'm currently using 39 gigs. <laughs> yeah so how about that? Uh, what are you running what are, what, what uh, things have dots under them in the dock uh oh boy i mean how much time do you have it so uh <laughs> finder <laughs> mail messages uh safari things itunes textmate chrome xcode dash terminal tower slack preview calendar notes solver numbers tweet bot photos ReadKit, read kit audio hijack colloquy and skype and activity monitor all right, so that's a lot of apps,
1: <laughs> but you you just over the threshold of a thirty two, so you wouldn't be fi- fixed uh, fit into a sixteen. I'm only using around eight. I am running Safari, BBEdit, Terminal, Colloquy, Chrome, uh, and Slack, and Audio Hijack, and and, uh, and Skype. Um, but there is a gig of swap in use, and you know, like, and I I close I don't actually have a lot of Windows or tabs open at this point because. I close everything down when I podcast for the most part. Um, but anyway, yeah, eight is, 8 is a little bit too little to, to have breathing room, especially like when there's another reason people spend the extra money for the faster CPU is they feel like it's going to give them more longevity out of the machine, and it might, but RAM will give you much more longevity than CPU will, uh, because there's some, you know, say, say you bought RAM not knowing that Slack would come into existence, then it becomes an important part of your life, and you just <laughs> realize how much of a RAM pig it was going to be, and the fact that it's going to be running all the time and potentially has a memory leak, like on the Mac, that's the type of thing that can happen. On iOS, it can happen because anything that was that much of a RAM pig would never run for more than 60 seconds at a time before being killed. Um, what the hell is Adobe Desktop Service? Yeah, I don't know. It's half a gig uh, right there. Yep. Like, well, you gotta, what column are you looking at? You can't really... This is the memory. With RAM. <laughs> no, you have to look at a real memory. Real memory? memory? Okay. Uh, memory is the is virtual memory. But even real memory, it's not... You can't just add up all those numbers.
0: It's way... Wait, real memory is way more than memory for some of these... Like it says photos, four point five gigs, but real memory is four point five. Memory is seven thirty megs.
1: I don't know. I thought I thought memory was V size, and real memory is RSS in, in PS
0: parlance. Yeah, see, it's know. it's very hard to actually know like how much RAM is an app actually using because it's gonna, it isn't that simple. Yeah, real memory says R size, which
1: it, itself is a complicated concept. When you mouse over it, <laughs> uh, private memory is our Yeah i think i did i tried to do an article about this once explaining exactly how ram is divvied up and like there is there is no number you can get out of ps where you can add up a bunch of things and get two values that's like here's how much is in in the ram chips on my computer and here's how much is in the ssd you have to you'd have to go page by page and figure out who's sharing this page from the shared library and is it in ram like it's You'd have to dump the whole page table. It's ridiculous. Anyway, it's very difficult to express this to users. But you do know when swap is in use because you can see things getting paged in and out
0: and you can feel things getting slower. So, We are sponsored this week by Away. For $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash ATP and use promo code ATP during checkout. Away makes quite simply awesome, thoughtfully designed suitcases at incredible prices. So their most famous one is their carry-on. Away considered all types of travelers and made this carry-on now in two sizes with an optional ejectable battery. You can now buy them in their signature polycarbonate, which is a wonderful German polycarbonate material that's very, very strong. Or you can also buy it now in anodized aluminum. Both materials are guaranteed for life. If you get that optional battery, you can charge your phone up to five times from it. So if you're sitting around waiting in the airport, you always have a phone charger ready to go. And it's TSA compliant and ejectable with just one click. So if you need to check your bag, you can just pop the battery out and bring it with you on board. No problem at all. Their suitcases feature an interior compression system, so it lets you pack more. It's incredibly useful. Four 360-degree spinner wheels guarantee a smooth ride and easy maneuverability through the airport. And they have a TSA-approved combination lock. And my favorite feature is their removable, washable laundry bag. Because as you travel, you want to keep your dirty clothes separate from your clean clothes. And then when you get home, you just pop it out and dump it in the washing machine. It's wonderful. So check it out today at awaytravel.com slash ATP. And you can take advantage of not only our wonderful promo code, $20 off a suitcase, but also they have a 100-day trial period risk-free so you can try a suitcase for a hundred days and you can of course travel with it you can actually buy it and take it on a trip because how else would you test it and if you don't like it you can return it within a 100 days for a full refund check it out today away travel.com slash atp and use promo code atp during checkout for 20 dollars off a suitcase because this season everyone wants to get away
1: Anyway, your, your discussion before of like cellular and the configurability of laptops and everything was making me think of something I've been thinking about uh, for a couple weeks now, but I haven't been able to come up with a good visualization. So I suppose people can make a bunch of charts and then spam them at us. Um, and I, I just wrote it in the thing, the notes doc to remind myself to talk about it as the MacBook hierarchy of needs, but it's not really a hierarchy. Uh, it's not really what I'm thinking of. Um, it's like, so new laptops, new laptops are coming. We're all excited about them. There's a bunch of things that uh, that could potentially come in new laptops, and I was visualizing them as kind of like a an ordered list. And as you go down the list, like if you went down the whole list, it's a short list. It's maybe like five or ten things, maybe probably less than ten things. If you if everything on the list appeared like in the new laptops, you'd be like, these are the best laptops ever. Apple is amazing. Uh, and if none of them appeared, you'd be super mad because like they didn't fix anything. Like you know, they're still crappy like they are now. Right. And it's a ranked list, So the top item is the one that you say Apple has to do this. This is the most important thing for them to do. And the second one is like, Oh, here's the second most important. And you have to decide as you go down the list, it's sort of like a color coding. At what point do you draw a line and say, this is the line of acceptability. Like let's say where if they do this one or these two or these three things, they will have acceptably addressed the shortcomings of the current laptops, And then, then there's the next line, which is like, if they do these four or these five things, they will have really good laptops. And then if they do these six or seven, they will have great laptops. And if they do eight, nine, and 10, they have the best laptops ever. And I'm sure we all have uh, different lists, but I, you know, and I can imagine a diagram and sort of like color, or maybe like a temperature bar thing or coloring in. And what I'm what referring to, by the way, with uh, the MacBook hierarchy needs is, maslow's hierarchy of needs which is actually kind of inverted where it's like the 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 basic things that everybody needs is like uh what is it safety is the bottom no actually this the wikipedia page says psychological is the the bottom need anyway there's safety then there's love and belonging then there's esteem and there's self-actualization and so you need safety because if you don't have safety if you don't have physical safety who's worried about self-actualization right that's the idea that there's certain things you need to address because they're like serious concerns and you can't worry about the other things until you address that but as you go up in the, the maslow's hierarchy of needs you get to things that are sort of more nice to have uh where at the very top is like i've got everything else going on in my life and my final thing is self-actualization right so the inverted version of that and the the macbook hierarchy of needs is i'm assuming we can all agree number one is keyboard <laughs> right? and, and i would <laughs> yeah. say if you have to subdivide that you would say keyboard reliability Because you can't start addressing key layout or key feel or anything else you care about keyboards until you do reliability, right? Um, And then we can start arguing about what number two and three and four are. But I think the most interesting part there is where would you draw the line? Like, let's say the line of acceptability where they introduce new MacBooks and the new MacBooks have a reliable keyboard, right, as determined over the next six months or whatever. Do you draw a line right after that and say they will have crossed the line of acceptability. If everything else about the laptops doesn't change or like is a wash, doesn't get any better, but they have reliable keyboards, is that acceptable or is there a second item and a third item? I don't think we have to solve this now, but I am visualizing like a color-coded rainbow chart that we work our way down during the keynote. And I know they're not really ordered and I know Apple could like introduce items number one, five, and seven. So there's probably some visualization that would let us know ahead of time. So we sort of for our own personal opinions and say, here's what I think, If they hit X, Y, and Z, here's how I'll feel about it. Uh, And doing that before the announcement as opposed to just seeing what they announced and then deciding how you feel about it is a, a way to keep yourself from going off the deep end and saying this one pet thing that I wanted, whether it's like an SD card slot or cellular or whatever, isn't there. And therefore, I think these laptops are crap, even though they have like five of the items that I said I wanted and they've passed into the line of greatness or whatever.
2: That's tough. Because on the one side, I, I want to snark and say, oh, well, obviously, if they don't have a good keyboard, I can't buy it. But that's not really true. I'm going to buy anything that has.
1: It's not it's not a question of like whether you're buy it or not. It's like the line of acceptability is basically have they improved on the current models? Let's say they just kept giving the current models butterfly keyboards, they update the CPUs, they give more RAM, they're like, blah, 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 like, It's not like we wouldn't buy them because we'd have no choice. They'd be the only Mac laptops. But I think we would all agree that they have not addressed any of the problems that we see with the current laptop lineup. We feel like the current crop of laptops of the last three years or so have problems. We want to see those problems addressed. And I feel like the line of acceptability is, okay, Apple, you have acceptably – you've addressed enough of the problems from our personal estimations with the current laptops that I feel like, you know, okay – all right, maybe there's one still not my favorite laptops in the world, but you've gotten out from under the dark shadow that is the butterfly keyboard, for example. And then from there, I'm like, oh, these are good laptops, or these are great laptops, or these are laptop- the best laptops Apple has ever made. Like, you know, all, all the way up and or down the, the hierarchy, depending on how you invert your pyramid.
0: Yeah, for me, I mean... I, I, I agree with your definition of the pyramid. Like, you know, it's it's not necessarily what I buy it, because we all know I'm gonna buy no matter what it is. Um, but it's it's more like, you know, what will make it fixed? Like like what will be like this is now on the right track or this is this is no longer a product category that is on fire or covered in asterisks. And yeah, for me, the keyboard is number one. And and if they if they did nothing else except Give it a good keyboard again, and I and I define good there as multiple facets. Reliability is number one, but like if if all they do is replace the keyboard with a good keyboard again, I consider that good enough. I would like to see more improvements than that. Cellular is very high on that list, um, but other than that, like it's literally like just a good keyboard is the only single required thing for me to say. This product is back on track.
2: Yeah, it's so tough. I don't I think I'm less disgruntled with the current laptop laptop line than you are, Marco, and and John hates anything that you can move around, so obviously he doesn't like the laptops. I, I, it's tough for me to say. I have definitely had some keyboard problems with my MacBook, but they haven't yet been egregious enough to make me really angry about them. I actually quite like the feel of the keyboard, even even if I don't particularly care for the reliability. So I, I don't know, man, like I, I don't feel like there's anything really holding me back from buying another one today, except that I don't particularly feel like I need one. And in terms of in general, is the, is the line back on track? Then yeah, I think it's what you said. It's a reliable keyboard and and probably little else. Now, John earlier on you had said basically oh if 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 this this and this happened it would be the best you know portable computer ever made i think for me that would be uh you know continued uh, extreme lightness because that's the kind of laptop i favor these days uh all day battery which is obviously indirect which your uh, laptop does not have <laughs> yeah and, and and I can't have them both, right I can't have it be extremely portable and light and also have an all- day battery. Um, you know, something that's reasonably speedy with a reasonably nice screen. like another thing that that Marco, I know you're really bothered by that doesn't bother me as much is not having true um, pixel doubling at least by default, you know, mm-hmm. so that I, I can understand why that, that annoys you, but it's not something that I'm particularly bothered by. Well, and
0: and like that, that isn't like a huge deal. Like that is like, mm-hmm. I consider huge deals to be like things that I don't like or that I'm worried about pretty much every time I use it. And really the, the number one thing on that list is the keyboard. Like yeah. I don't, I never like it no matter how long, you know, I've been using these keyboards on and off now for th- almost three years and I still don't like them. Um, but I'm also always worried that it's going to break. And I'm I'm afraid, like, I, I use my laptop very gently, and I'm afraid to use it in a lot of conditions where I'm totally fine using my iPad because I'm not worried about, like, getting a speck of dust on it, but, like, I'm afraid to use my laptop in a lot of conditions because I know how incredibly fragile that keyboard is. And if a speck of dust goes near it just the wrong way, there goes $700 and a week of not having my laptop. It's a constant worry. And for anybody who has these machines, if it isn't a constant worry for you, it should be because they are that fragile and it is that random and capricious when they stop working. And it is that much of a pain to get them repaired. So it's like uh, that to me, like it's, it's that overshadows everything. The rest of it, like the USB-C only thing, the lack of the card reader, the lack of MagSafe, the higher price—like all that stuff—is stuff that I have had. I've had you know two and a half years to very slowly come to terms with, and I mostly have. The touch bar, also, like I, I still don't like the touch bar. But if my only option to on on the next laptop is a good keyboard that happens to also have a touch bar, fine, I'll take it. Like everything else is everything else I can say fine, I'll take it. But not the keyboard reliability. That And and in general, the keyboard design, but the, the reliability is the number one problem. Like I worry about that every single time I use the computer and that negatively impacts when and how I feel comfortable using the computer. And so that's bigger than everything else.
1: When I was thinking of this, I was mostly thinking of it, not, not so much as, I mean, the line of acceptability is an interesting question, but I was thinking of it in terms of uh, how, if they go down the entire list, they'd make you know like the best laptop Apple has ever made. Because in many respects, Apple's current laptops are the best they've ever made. For example, in terms of size and weight and sturdiness of the chassis, they're better than they've ever been. They're thinner than they've ever been. They're very sturdy. They look really good. Like That aspect of the design is great. It's just they've dropped the ball in other areas. So I was thinking, like if they just go down this whole list, they'll be great. And I haven't really drawn lines, but I, I've typed up while we've been talking... I think is my personal list, Uh, and it's not that long. It's like seven items long. And if they did all seven of these things, potentially this is the greatest line of laptops Apple has ever made. Um, So my number one is keyboard reliability. Uh, My number two is screen resolution, like you know native two X, all the stuff we've talked about. That's just important enough to me i feel like it's it's fundamental just like the keyboard i'm talking about the pro laptops by the way i'm, I'm not talking about the macbooks i'm saying the macbook pro in particular i'm thinking of the 15 inch but you can map it to the 13 inch you know it's a true true retina res at the at least the old uh number of points right number three is the keyboard layout and having like a real escape key so this includes anything improving the inverted t and you know that maybe in home and end key on the 15 inch and all like all that stuff like keyboard layout is my number three my number four is SD card, just because I have you know, a camera that uses SD cards. Number five is improved battery life, because as bad as the battery life is with the current things, I don't, you know, it's lower on my list than all those other things, just because I can get by with the battery the way it is. Like, it's ridiculous when, you know, WebEx drains my battery in an hour-long meeting, but I'm usually not that far from plugs or whatever. So for me, battery life is number five. Uh, six is Cellular. Uh, I think it's cool, but it's uh, and I would use it, but it's below all those other things. Seven is MagSafe, uh, a return of magnetic attached cables. Uh, that I can work around that with a little MagSafe thing that I have from a MacBook Air. But it would be great for it to be built in. Uh, and the last item is other additional ports, whatever those ports may be. I don't really care, but just the idea that it wouldn't just be USB-C on the side. If they did all those things, had a reliable keyboard, native two uh, X. Uh, improved keyboard layout and a real escape key sd card slot improved battery life cellular magnetic thing and some other ports that could potentially be the best laptops apple apple's ever made we're not going to get all that i know but i think that list is technologically feasible let's say apple could build this computer and sell it for a reasonable price as the 15 inch macbook pro and it would be the best laptop they've ever made they won't for reasons that i find personally frustrating uh but there's that so uh, now My line of acceptability is, I have to say, I think it's after number two, keyboard reliability and screen res. That's just my personal opinion, but the screen res thing really bothers me. And I I can't live in a world where we just accept from this point on that there'll be non-native res on Apple's Pro laptops forever and ever. It's bad. I don't like it. Um, So that's my line of acceptability. And then after that, things get scrambled because I don't think they're going to put an SD card in it. I don't think they're going to change the keyboard layout, but those are my next two items. So they're probably going to skip that and maybe go to, like, improve battery life and then skip everything else. And they'll end up having good laptops. Um, that, that's just my current thinking. I'm sure everyone else's uh, lists vary. If I had to make a similar list for the Mac Pro, it would be a big, giant mess. I don't even know. Like, <laughs> and honestly, the Mac Pro is more of, like, like, like uh, I feel like I'm, with the Mac Pro, I have an out. They don't make a Mac Pro that fits my bill. I'll just buy an iMac Pro. It's a good computer. I just want them to be back in the market of making Pro Max uh and hopes that there will be another one after that unlike the trash can and that they have another chance to take a run at just like with the laptops they make a bunch of laptops that we have problems with but they're going to keep making more laptops so they have more chances to get it right i just want the mac pro to be like that you know a computer that they make more of every year or two (laughs) that's all anyway
0: it shouldn't be a lot to ask (laughs)
1: Yeah, a keyboard that works. That's my <laughs> laptop list. Maybe I'll refine it before WWDC or whenever we think they're going to announce laptops. And then we can all go down the list and check off and and see where we end up on our our MacBook hierarchy of needs and or wants.
2: Yeah, I don't. I'm working on mine as you're talking, and I'm not satisfied with it. Um, I don't. I don't know what I've come up with. Which again, I'm not terribly satisfied with. Is uh, improved keyboard reliability and I'd also like the inverted T I do miss that yeah uh, and that that is pretty much the line of acceptability for me again I don't really, is that one item or two well um, I don't know dealer's choice
0: well like I, I said good keyboard but that's a compound item mm-hmm
2: yeah I mean, if they if they failed on the inverted T, then whatever. Like, I, I would be annoyed by it. And they will. It, don't but, worry. And, and they will. I'd be annoyed by it, but I would move on. So to me, the line is just a better keyboard. Be that one item or two, it doesn't really matter to me. I'm counting it as one, though. Uh, my next thing is cellular. I would love to see cellular. Um, again, I don't think it'll happen. MagSafe, I don't think it'll happen. That's three. Four is an SD card slot. Uh, five is improved battery life. Six is more frequent updates to the line. Uh, even though I don't buy a computer every year or every month because my name is not Marco, uh, I would still like to see more frequent updates. I mean, I don't think you guys understand how tough it is to be a laptop fan. We haven't gotten updates in like, I don't know, a year. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. That's not a feature (laughs) of our product though.
2: (laughs) No, that's true. I'm going to nix that one. (laughs) Okay. That's fine. That's fine.
0: Like to me, like what, what matters, you know, some of these things matter, you know, like updates matter only on an extreme scale, right? Like if, if a, if a product line only gets, gets updated every like one and a half to three years, like that matters if you're like trying to, if you're itching to buy one from one year in and you have to wait and wait and wait and for the new models to come out in order to buy something that you think is current, that sucks. But once you own it, that stops mattering. And there's a lot of these things like, once you already own it things like the release schedule or even like the like a lot of the purchase price or the the upgrade pricing a lot of that stuff is a one time pain before or during purchase but then after purchase you can move on and it, it isn't constantly impacting you whereas things like an unreliable keyboard that impacts you the entire life of the product so that's that to me like that's way more important any any factor that impact you the whole time you own it is way more important than one-time pains up front.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. So my list then is keyboard, and that's where my line is, better keyboard, more reliable, and inverted T. Then uh, below or above the line, however you want to look at it, cellular, MagSafe, SD slot, battery life, and more ports. Because – in I think I would move more ports way the crap up if I was committed forever to only buying an adorable because I got to tell you, it is really nice to use, I believe they're a past sponsor, a a Luna display with your MacBook adorable to get a lot more real estate when you're, say, working on like an iOS app or something like that, or Final Cut. Um, However... That is really, really, really not as fun when you only have one port and that one port is being taken up by the Luna display. And so (laughs) I have a, I have a like two hour limit of having multiple monitors on my laptop because, oh, when it comes to, you know, using the iPad as the second monitor, because after that, my battery is dead and I need to disconnect the Luna display, which happened to me just the other night. So... Uh, more ports would be like number one on my list if, if I knew I was going to buy an adorable and only an adorable for the rest of my life. But the fact of the matter is this is a self-created problem because I could have just as well chosen a different laptop that has at least one more port.
1: Yeah. I've got improved battery life somewhere in the middle of my list, but obviously the arm thing we expect will take care of that. Like we're going to get that
0: whether we ask for it or not. Unlike all the other things on this list, other than keyboard reliability, are we going to get it? Because any gains that are possible by moving to ARM, Apple could spend those by just making the battery smaller to make the laptop smaller and thinner. But I don't think they will, because I think uh, uh, like like the 10 hour battery on the iPad, I feel like
1: Apple's line for it's line for acceptability for a pro laptop battery life. They're currently below that line. They're below it because they, you know, this is the trade offs they've made, but they're, I think they're slightly below it. So I think we're getting improved battery life as a guarantee with the arm they're not like fantastically better because like you said they can choose to trade it off but i feel like they're they're not going to say uh, oh, the current laptops have about the right barrel especially like in terms of peak performance like if you run it hard that yeah the, how they drain down so fast like i i feel like apple you know would like their current line of laptops to get a little bit better so when they have the ability to do that they're not going to trade it all away for thinness i think they're gonna yeah, you know they're gonna and you know on keyboard reliability i'm mean, thinking about this too in my more pessimistic moments like i'm very certain that they're going to come out with a new keyboard but i guess nobody can be really certain that the new keyboard will fix all the reliability problems obviously that's the whole point of the new keyboard is to solve the problems presented by the old keyboard uh, but it's not like apple set out to make an unreliable keyboard right so It's the type of thing where we'll all be happy when they announce a laptop with a new keyboard, however they present it, but we still kind of have to take a wait-and-see attitude to say, okay, is it actually more reliable? Because I don't think it's getting 10 times thicker. It's not going back to the old keyboard. It's going to be a new, thin keyboard that we hope doesn't have problems, but that's not an easy thing for Apple to make, apparently. So there's that possibility as a way. So I'm going to say improved battery life is, you know, even if only slightly is a guarantee with the arm transition. Keyboard reliability is a guaranteed thing. Apple will try to do and everything else on this list is potentially able to be ignored by Apple, which I find very annoying. Cause once again, everything on this list is a available on PC laptops and b entirely within the realm of feasibility for Apple to make without any significant you know like downsides in terms of oh we have to increase the price by hundreds of dollars or it is compromised in some terrible way that makes it a worse product people would love this product that i that i listed on all these things they would they would love it again just for the 15 inch put all these things on the 15 inch nobody would say i was going to buy a new 15 inch but i found that it comes with an sd card slot so screw that computer <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, like, if you want to have a minimal laptop that offers as little as possible, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. dis- despite the hostility it provides to actual use, focus at all on the 12-inch, because those buyers relish in that. Hey, guys. <laughs> Sorry,
1: Mark. We've covered this on past shows. There's no room for another port on that computer.
2: Yeah, it's impossible.
1: Back, back when people were much more willing to believe that Apple could do no wrong very strongly argue that there is literally no room for another port on a computer that size
2: (laughs) seriously if you gave me the same computer or if 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 apple made available this exact same computer with all the same internals that i was just whining about what half an hour ago if they made this exact same computer but with a second port and charged me another 2500 dollars, whatever i paid for this thing for it i would buy that tomorrow i really would
0: i have i have great news for you casey they do make that computer. Diff- I
2: don't want it. I don't want a MacBook Pro.
0: No, get a MacBook Air. MacBook Air. Yeah, that's true. You're probably right. The MacBook Air is is almost exactly what you want. The it's only it, the only thing is like you know it is significantly heavier and bigger. Like it like to, you know going from two pounds to two point seven five pounds is a pretty big difference. Um, and and you know going from twelve inch to the thirteen inch body, you know it is noticeably bigger and heavier however the new macbook air is basically a two port macbook like that's basically yeah, what yeah, they yeah. made it's very similar in a lot of ways and it's a lot better in a lot of ways it, like it every curve or continuum has like a certain point at which like you can make things you know smaller and smaller and thinner and thinner and at some point there's like an optimal balance and then at some point you like fall off a cliff with like if you when you pass this certain point, the trade-offs are no longer worth it. And they start becoming really severe trade-offs that you know start to really impact you in ways that are are no longer worth the trade-offs. I think the 12 inch for a lot of people's uses is on the falling off the cliff side of that. Whereas the 13 inch MacBook Air is comfortably on the other side of the line. So I, I think if you want a super portable computer and you're willing to give up some performance and stuff to get there, the 13-inch MacBook Air is a way, way better balance for most people's needs than the 12-inch. And and I'm not saying the 12-inch should stop existing, because there are people for whom that super tininess of it is worth those trade-offs, but it's such a severe drop-off in utility to get that, that you're a you're an able-bodied young-ish person. you You can carry you can carry an extra three quarters of a pound and it's fine, right? Like uh, Apple already makes the computer that you should buy, and it's the new MacBook Air, except for that stupid keyboard. Well, not,
1: not with that keyboard, maybe. Yeah, maybe yeah.
0: Maybe. Actually, that keyboard has proven to be pretty unreliable, actually. But yeah, like that. They're almost making like I mean, the the keyboard you have now is worse. <laughs> so <laughs> well, so it like, is an upgrade.
1: <laughs> reliability wise maybe it's slightly worse but uh might be better feel wise oh and not so real time follow-up i realized that when i'm looking at this wikipedia page the bottom item in maslow's hierarchy i just misread the word because the text is small and i'm tired and my eyes are blurring physiological safety not psychological physiological say is physio physio physiological needs like am i hungry you know and then uh, above that is safety am i in danger of like being attacked by cougars or whatever? <laughs> And then love, belonging, then esteem, then self-actualization. So the the hierarchy, uh, the MacBook
0: hierarchy is not so neat as
1: Maslow's hierarchy, but what can you
0: do? We are sponsored this week by Eero. Finally, Wi-Fi that works. We all know by now that one Wi-Fi router, no matter how many antennas it has on top, just doesn't cover your entire house. There's always slow spots or dead zones. What you need is a distributed Wi-Fi system that broadcasts from multiple points eero is by far the best one of these i have ever used it is fantastic it's so easy to set up the units are super nice looking and very technologically advanced they have all the fastest radios in them all the fastest standards and everything but again the app is by far the easiest to set up wi-fi system i have ever seen single or multi-router it is that good so if you're setting it up like for family or if you just don't want to deal with this kind of stuff get eero it is fantastic Eero also now offers Eero Plus. This is an optional subscription that is designed to provide simple, reliable security to defend your entire home's devices against a growing number of threats and unsuitable content so the combination of Eero routers with Eero Plus provides complete protection for your network and all the devices on them as they connect to the internet so this includes the ability to block malicious and unwanted content across your entire network you can also have parental control so if you don't want your children to browse to certain types of things you can block those there's of course advanced securities so they can prevent you from accidentally visiting malware sites and there's things like ad blocking to get rid of annoying ads and pops on all of your devices and improve load times for ad heavy sites and it includes third party security apps such as encrypt.me, 1Password, and Malwarebytes antivirus software. It's a great deal. So check it out at eero.com slash ATP and use code ATP and you can get $100 off the package that includes the Eero base unit, two beacons, and one year of Eero Plus. So once again, get $100 off this package with Eero base unit, two beacons, and one year of Eero Plus at eero.com slash ATP by using code ATP at checkout. Thank you so much to Eero for sponsoring our show. Never think about
2: Wi-Fi again let's do some ask ATP and let's start with Matt Corkum who writes hey John what is the maximum you would spend on the new Mac Pro maybe or perhaps the max on the tower itself and the monitor separately if you'd like to uh, enumerate those uh, numerals differently
1: So keep in mind the answer to this question is heavily warped by the fact that I'm using a 10-year-old computer right now and I've been (laughs) saving money for a long time. So this is not to say this is how much money I would typically spend on a computer. Wait,
0: wait, wait, can we guess first before you say? (laughs) Go ahead, yeah. Casey, what's your guess?
2: I think John is willing to spend somewhere around $7,500 for the computer and the monitor.
1: Yeah, I'm going to do the computer and monitor separately just so you
2: know. Oh, okay. So I think he would spend... Easily 5,000 dollars on the computer, probably as much as actually, I bet you you would do 7,000 on the computer, and I think you would do another couple thousand on the monitor or monitors. So I would guess all in, you're sitting at between seven and 9,000.
0: All right, so I'm guessing, see, it, 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 there is going to be some kind of value judgment here. Like, does, like, I don't know what upgrades John will consider worthwhile to go all the way to the max because, like, when you go to the max for things like RAM or SSD size, there's a massive step up in price, right? So, I don't know, like, is he going to go for the 4 terabyte SSD? Is he going to go for the, you know, 64 or 128 gigs of RAM? Like, those are going to be, like, huge steps up in price. Like, those alone are, like, probably $3,000 each. Right, So like, there's going to be the question of that, but I'm guessing because it has been so long and because John has been so frustrated at not having a new Mac Pro, he's had so long to save, and he's even dropped hints before that he's had like 10 years to save up, and John doesn't buy a lot of expensive things. So I'm guessing that the budget for this is higher than what you said, Casey. I'm guessing that he will actually end up spending more like nine or ten thousand on the tower or whatever it is itself and the monitor i mean this is kind of just a guess at what the monitor will cost uh i'm guessing the monitor costs between two and three thousand dollars so i'm gonna say total of around 12 grand
1: boy you guys just two or three shows ago you were trying to make fun of me for my frugality which you uh coarsely described as cheapness (laughs) <laughs> uh, I think you're both underestimating my frugality. My my limits, and obviously this could change based on the computer and then again based on the price of the options because uh, like there is a possibility that I spend way too much on a really big SSD just because I hate running out of room uh, on stuff I wouldn't spend on the RAM. Uh, my current thinking is uh, n- uh, not over 6K for the computer and not over 2K for the monitor. That's my current. Oh, so
2: I was pretty I was pretty yeah, close. Yeah, you were close.
1: You were just you were off by like a, just one one digit. Like a, that I would I would be willing to spend 5000 something for the computer, but if the computer was pushing up to 6000, I would reconsider and I'd be willing to spend 1800 for the monitor, but if it, but if it's like a 2500 monitor, I'd reconsider it. Now, with the monitor thing, if there is no other monitor, I would probably go higher just because I'm going to have to have an Apple monitor, right? but i'm hoping that if that if the monitor is more than $2000 if there's a 5k option i would just take that one it would cost less that's my current thinking you feel free to play this back to me when
0: i plunk down 12 <laughs> grand for the marco computer you know i i hope you do i really hope you do not not just to make me right uh, because i'm 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 right i'm right enough i don't i don't need if this you were one. describing the computer you're going to get marco that's what you were describing yeah, <laughs> maybe that's true. but like mister 64 gigs of ram in his imac pro <laughs> But, like, seriously, like, you know, you, you've gone this long. It means so much to you. You don't really treat yourself in a lot of other ways. For God's sakes, like, life is short. Get the four terabytes. That's <laughs> just the
1: new ad uh, The new uh, ad campaign from Apple. Marker <laughs> Armand for Apple Computer. Life is short. Get the four terabytes. Don't look <laughs> at the price tag. Treat yourself. <laughs>
2: My worst. Oh man! All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna claim victory on that one until you end up paying ten plus thousand for this thing. Yeah, there's no victory uh, until until the receipts in hand. Oh yeah, make sure uh, make sure we bring the receipts. Anyway, uh, Asaj writes for thousands of people. You are professional podcasters, but many of you do different things full time. What do you consider yourself to be with regards to career? Programmers, podcasters, quote unquote influencers. Uh, I can I can start with this. Uh, You know, I still don't think of myself as a Really and truly, professional podcaster because that's not really a job, right? But if you look <laughs> at how I make money, yes, it is, and yes, I am. Um, but I still think of myself as a developer um, predominantly. And uh, if I wanted to use like a really self-involved term, I guess a producer, um, because I, in terms of both creating video content and creating written content, um, and so I think I think of myself as a developer slash quote unquote producer. Even though the reality of the situation is I am a podcaster. Marco, how do you feel about this?
0: Um, I for years, I would always write like in like you know anything that was asking me my job title like like when I'm like you know filling out something for the IRS or like you know entering a country and ask for like your occupation, I would always write software developer um, and, and so for years I consider myself a programmer number one. And it, it was only recently that I started like if somebody asks me what I do now, I'll usually say I'm a podcaster and an app developer and I'll say it in that order. I spend more of my life creating podcasts uh, than I do writing software uh, at this point.
1: Mine is easier because I just have a regular day job. Uh, I just always tell people I'm a programmer, just and that just shuts them up because they don't want to hear about it. I mean, it's such a dated term at this point. Everyone says like developer, or software engineer. I always just say programmer because <laughs> it, it dates me because that's how old I actually am. I'm of the age <laughs> when what I wanted to be was a programmer, and that's what I ended up being. And I just keep calling myself that. And honestly, I don't really, you know, I like my Twitter bio. I think says like programmer tech writer and podcaster but i haven't done tech writing in forever but i don't know like it's hard to, to pin yourself down like i did do a bunch of tech writing i feel like it's a defining characteristic of my quote-unquote career uh but just because i don't do it now doesn't ma- mean i don't feel like a writer just like if i stopped podcasting i would still feel like a podcaster but programmer is what i say to people and then they don't ask any more questions
0: <laughs> i should try that because app developer i always hear people's dumb ideas for apps yeah people love apps no one likes programs hey i have this great idea for an app can you can you help me make it well first you got to sign this nda so you don't steal my idea 10 print john 20 go to 10 (laughs) i'm a programmer i write (laughs) programs
2: oh my word
0: thanks to our sponsors this week hover eero and away and we'll see you next week now the show is over they didn't even mean to begin Cause it
1: was accidental, Accidental. oh it was accidental,
2: Accidental.
0: John didn't do any research, Marco and Casey wouldn't let him, cause it was accidental, Accidental. oh it was accidental, Accidental.
1: and you can find the show notes at atp.fm, and if you're into Twitter, you can follow them
0: at C-A-S-E-Y-L. I S S, so that's Casey List. M-A-R-C-O, A-R-M, D N T Marco Armin, S-I-R-A-C, USA Syracuse it's accidental, accidental.
2: They didn't mean to accidental. So since everyone loves hearing about cars, we thought we would move the last Ask ATP to the after show for you. All right. Vincent S. Uh, was kind enough to send me a recording of how you pronounce his surname, but I genuinely don't think my mouth can make those sounds. So we'll just go with Vincent. Quite a Right. Uh, What do you think of the Polestar 2? Now, if you're not familiar, Polestar used to be like the M division of Volvo, or at least that was my understanding anyway. And recently they have kind of repurposed, they've pivoted, I'm sorry, let's bring this into programmer slash developer terms. They've pivoted uh, to being Volvo's all electric arm or predominantly electric arm. And Volvo's recently announced the Polestar 2, which is kind of sort of a Model 3 equivalent uh, I happen to think it's pretty good looking, although, John, I know you and I were talking, uh, well, you uh, all three of us were talking privately in Slack, and you said you did not care for the look of it. And we can talk about that in a minute. But all told, it appears to be basically a Model 3, but to my eyes, better looking and from a manufacturer that's probably going to have a whole lot less problems and will probably be able to service this. Which is a novel idea for a Tesla owner to actually get service and do so timely.
0: <laughs> hey, low blow. Uh,
2: it's true. It's it is. True. It hurts because right. it's true. Uh, but I, I mean, I haven't looked too much into this. There's a really great video that, John, you had linked to us uh, from Top Gear, not the television program, but the uh, journalist's I don't know, organization, where they did like a 10-minute uh, quick look on it, which I guess wasn't that quick. But anyway, uh, it, it looks really good to me. I am really enthusiastic about other traditional manufacturers getting into all-electric cars. And I, I am not in the market for a car and won't be, hopefully, for many years, uh, you know, five-plus years. But if I were in a market in the market for a car today, I would take a very serious look at this. I really, really would. Um, I'd like to hear... Uh, Marco's input last as someone who actually has an electric car, but John, what do you think about this?
1: I think uh, Volvo, modern day Volvo, has been uh, on a, a bit of a run of making some really nice cars. In particular, I like the turn their styling has taken over the last five years or so. Which very is much I agree. B- it breaks my heart that this car is ungainly and ugly. No, very much not, disagree. It's not, it's not ugly, but it is it is ungainly and it's just so slightly off of all their other beautiful cars. Like, you made you made all these beautiful internal combustion cars. You have a chance to do an electric car, which has far less stuff inside it. And this is what you come up with, this sort of tall, chunky-looking sedan-ish thing. It's just so, it breaks my heart. Uh, but all that said, um, I think it will probably be a pretty good car, uh, and it's a reasonable balance of features and range and performance and typical volvo safety so i think you know i I mostly give a thumbs up to the car i just it just the styling just breaks my heart because there's just no reason they needed to to blow it like this and then you see the polestar one which is their hybrid fancier coupe looking thing and i i think the polestar one is not as nice looking as some of their gasoline cars but it is way better than the two so anyway the the
2: one is way better looking i agree with
1: i mean it's a coupe it's easy to like make it low slung and stuff like that like i don't yeah. I hope the Polestar 2 is not the way Volvos are going to look going forward. I hope it's just their first awkward electric and that they'll sort it out eventually.
0: Marco. This is the kind of car that I've been waiting for more automakers to make. Tesla should not be the only car maker making the kind of cars that it makes. I I'm very happy with my car, but Tesla is not perfect and they could certainly use more competition. And I would certainly like to have more choices that offer the kind of things that I like about my Tesla in the future. You know, they should not be the only company making these things. Uh, and so, the you know the Volvo Polestar two is is Polestar the brand name? Is it is it's like saying Toyota Lexus? It's like AMG, or like where they it's it's affiliated, but they want it to be a
1: separate thing. I don't know how successful they're going to be, but like AMG is technically like not the same as mercedes but everyone knows it is it's a or what is it uh hyundai has genesis same type right of thing. right, right.
2: genesis is a better example i was going to say ram versus dodge you know because the pickups are now no
1: it's not Ram ram it's totally it's totally hyundai genesis like the successful ones toyota lexus and nissan infinity those are the successful ones but there's been a bunch of half successful ones recently and so far i think this isn't a half successful category
0: but we'll see all right well anyway the uh so so the Polestar 2 i think I'm really happy to see this coming from a company that has the longstanding manufacturing and logistics expertise that Volvo does. That is something that we really need. Uh, and that's like, I, I hope this takes off very well. It is, I don't think it's for me for lots of reasons. Um, number one, uh, it's, it says that, you know, in, in, in regards to like color and material selection, it says no bad combinations. But I would argue there's also no good combinations. Uh, this car comes in six different colors of gray, ranging from white to <laughs> black. It is literally like a grayscale. It's like you have six different shades. The top one is white, the bottom one is black, and you have four in the middle that are all kind of grayish.
2: Yeah, that's very true.
0: Have they ever had caffeine? Like These these are the most boring configurations I've ever seen of a car. Like
2: M- Midnight does look pretty good to me, though, which is the... Almost black, but not not quite black. Also, I like that they're black. Speaking of being a programmer, John is called Void. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, and I, I agree. Like from the pictures, midnight is the the least terrible color that I can that I can see in this list. But uh, but yeah, like it just come on, like give it some personality. But you know, other than that, you know, it's it's fine. It looks fine. Um, my my main concern with something like this is that even a company with the history of a big maker like Volvo. I still wouldn't want to buy their very first mass market electric car Mm -hmm. because you're still going to be a beta tester at that point. And it's going to have a lot of problems that they're going to have to work out just after it gets to market. It's going to have, you know, you're going to have all those like 1.0 issues. Right. And like, I didn't buy a Tesla until they had been around for like five years, like, or like shipping cars for five years. And, 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 I feel like I jumped in at a pretty good time because by that time a lot of the kings had been worked out. They were already on their second generation Model S interior and and Model S you know design and everything and and like it was way better than the earlier cars. Uh, which I would occasionally get a service loaner, so I know like I could see directly like how much better it was than the earlier ones. And right now, like there are very few other automakers that have even remotely mature electric options. And it's, you know, this, this is probably going to be great in five years, maybe, uh, maybe maybe it might take more than that. I don't know. Hopefully not. But like, in, yeah, in five years, this might be a great option. Like when it gets to like its second version or it's 1.5 ish kind of version, uh, this could be great, but I would not want to buy somebody's 1.0 in something like a car, which is like, if I buy your car, if I lease your car whatever, I'm stuck with that car for a number of years. Like that's a major purchase that you're going to be using for a long time. Do you really want to be stuck with somebody's 1.0 of a completely brand new thing they've never done before for that long and for that important of a purchase? I don't think so. So that's that's something like that that's going to apply to all of these newcomers. Things like the the Porsche Taycan, uh, this thing, uh, pretty much everything that's like an established automaker's first real Tesla competitor. It's so different like making making an all electric car is so different in so many ways that while I have full faith that they'll be able to do it well a few years in I don't have that faith for the very first wave because I think they still have a lot to learn and I don't want to be their beta tester.
2: You know, I agree with you all in all, but let's not lose sight of the fact that Volvo has been very forward thinking with regard to a subscription model for cars. And in fact, that's exactly what it says on the Polestar 2 page. Oh, yeah.
0: Can you explain that to me? Because I read the subscription thing and it sounds just like a lease. It... Uh,
2: no. So it's it's a monthly
0: fee. Polestar feels that car ownership should be more closely resembled phone ownership, an all inclusive monthly fee with the option to return or upgrade at the end of your term without any
2: hassle or headache. How is that not a lease? Because they they include insurance as well.
0: Oh, okay. That's it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I I could have sworn there was something else but I don't know what it is off the top of my head. Maybe that is it. But um but the idea is that I think it with I think with the with other uh, subscription services, you might be able to change. I don't know if it's Volvo, but you might be able to change cars periodically. Didn't BMW do that? They said that you like you could have different. Yeah, tiers. you could
1: pick any any other of the cars you want, and they don't care which car you have. You just pay them the same monthly fee, and then you just you know pick. So they make more money from you if you pick a cheaper car, I suppose. I don't know. It's. Always to just figure out how to get money from people who otherwise wouldn't buy one, but I feel like you're. Not, it's not. Doesn't sound like it's going to be a good deal. <laughs> if it's the only way you can buy this car, then well, then tough luck. But I wouldn't choose it.
2: Yeah, I don't know, I'm, I'm excited though. I'm excited to see all these other manufacturers um, joining this electric future, which I think we can all agree is probably everyone's future. And I, I just wanted to reiterate what John said about Volvo lately. I. I I definitely have problems with our XC90, but by and large, I cannot say enough good things about it. And I, I had no desire to own a Volvo before we bought it. Erin, um, you know, the car was for Aaron, so she basically chose it. And I, would, I was supportive of it, not only because you know it's her car, but because it seemed like it would be nice. And I, I really do love this thing. It is not without faults, but I really, really love that XC90. So uh, I agree, John, that Volvo's really been on a tear lately in the best possible way.
1: I wasn't talking about Eurovalgo, I was talking about the cars, and that's Marco's problem. Like he's just ignoring all the SUVs that are coming out
0: because he's not interested in them. Uh, the, yeah. the one. and, and thing for that, the record, this Polestar two does look a little bit crossovery yeah. for me. It's a little yeah. high. It is. It is.
1: I would agree. The, the thing, the one thing they totally blew in this Polestar is the. Uh, I mean, you can just just from looking at it, I'm surprised it wasn't mentioned in the Top Gear thing. The giant walls surrounding their center console. What are they thinking? What are they thinking? Like, they could have had an airy-feeling interior that feels spacious, like, you know, because you have less stuff that you have to deal with, fewer buttons. The big tablet has a lot of the controls on it, and they put these gigantic walls around the center tunnel.
0: Yeah, that's not great. Although, you did say, Casey, this has CarPlay support, right?
2: Uh, you know, based on what I saw on Twitter earlier, because I'd asked this question on Twitter earlier, and some people who are very self-assured <laughs> indicated that it should have CarPlay, yes. But the tablet system apparently, or I shouldn't call it a tablet, but the, the infotainment system is actually uh, all Google, apparently, and it's running Android and so on. But I'm told from the Internet, so it must be true, that it would support CarPlay as well, which is more than I can say for your two Teslas that you've owned.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. Like CarPlay support is tempting. <laughs> I would actually really enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, and, and
2: Aaron's this is not the same setup in Aaron's car, but Aaron's car does have CarPlay. And whether or not you like the Census, as they call it, which is their basically their infotainment uh, setup, uh, and that is one of the things that I think is is most frustrating about Aaron's car because particularly startup takes an eternity. But um, but the CarPlay implementation is really solid and really really good. And so. I would hope and assume that it would also be good in in this new Polestar. So in CarPlay, you know, I don't know if it's essential today, although I personally refuse to buy a car without it for future-proofing reasons. But it is really nice. I don't use it that terribly often in my car, usually only if I'm in the car for more than a little bit or if I'm navigating with my phone, which I don't do that terribly often because I don't go new and exciting places that terribly often. But I really like CarPlay a lot, and, and I've, I've really been glad that I've had it on the occasions that I do use it.
1: Can I just say that this uh, configurator? configurator uh, website is the worst one I've ever seen in my life. These giant semi-transparent yeah. overlays block the view of the car you're trying to configure. It's not obvious how to pick things. Fire the company that made this website.
2: Yeah, it's not good.
1: Fire this company. Like, it took me the longest time to figure out how I picked from different options because it's got the text on top. It's, like, slightly grayed out. It just, yeah. Bah, like, this is not, car configurers are not high technology, and this one has no features that those don't. It's just harder to use. Bad
0: Volvo, bad. Yeah, for, for, it took me a good amount of time looking at this because the first thing you see is the exterior thing, and it defaults to white. And for for a good like fifteen seconds, I'm looking at this thinking, "What a what an amazing control! This car's only coming in white." Like of <laughs> course, of course, Casey told me to go look at this and like poke through. Like, How could I not? Yeah, like
2: <laughs> oh, well, no, no, there is an act. There's a, there's a you can close that. I just did it by accident. There's a little close overlay yeah
1: but then but then you can't pick things like the advanced technology of car configurators is, is you have a bunch of choices and you click on them and then you see the picture of the car change and neither one of those things blocks the other one that's the that's the technology <laughs> well, yeah and i
2: agree but then you can hit the 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 bread icon it's not a hamburger because there's no mm, inside hamburger
1: this is bread chopsticks uh, yeah it's
2: just bread but it's <laughs> <The> chopsticks <icon>. like <laughs> you hit the chopsticks and then it comes back
1: and blocks your view again
2: and blocks your view again